Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the Bald Face Truth. Welcome to the program. I am Peter Sampson. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm in for John Canzano today. He is taking a well deserved day off. I'll tell you why in just a minute. First, I want to check in with you, the listener. Make sure you had a great Father's Day weekend, whatever that means to you. Hung out with your dad, hung out with your kids, took the day for yourself and hung out with nobody. However you wanted to celebrate it, I hope you had a great Father's Day. Mine was spectacular. Got a great gift. I'm not a gift guy. I'll tell you that right off the bat. I am not picky about gifts. You know what I mean? I'm really a the thought. it's the thought that counts kind of guy. It doesn't matter what you get me. Just the idea that, wow, you thought about me just enough to pick something up from Amazon? That's great. Thanks so much. Or even just a card. Not a picky guy when it comes to gifts. But I got two wonderful gifts for Father's Day. And one, of course, from the kiddo, the eight-year-old, was a, was a handmade card, which is his uh, his customary gift. Take the time. Get the watercolors out. And, you know, it's one of those things, you know how it is if you've got kids, where it's totally obvious what they're doing, and they're whispering to the other adult in the house about the plant, do you know where my art kit is? And you have to pretend that you don't know what they're talking about. He spent like an hour on it. It was beautiful. And then, of course, Kim, if you're a regular listener of uh, my show here in Portland that immediately follows the BFT, The Pulse, uh, you know I'm a big, uh, I spend a lot of time in the kitchen sort of a gourmet cook, and I got a spectacular, just beautiful chef's knife. I'm really excited to break that out. Father's Day, it was a great weekend. Hope yours was great. I also spent Father's Day at Worlds of Sport. You've heard us talking about this for, I mean, weeks, months. I mean, I've been hearing about this thing for a couple years. I remember years ago when when Kanzano was just talking about the idea of, man, wouldn't it be great if we had an event here in Oregon where all sports fans and lovers of various sports could come together. And uh, it was exciting as this thing became reality. I spent Father's Day out there. If you did, if you were out there either Saturday or Sunday or even both days, I saw a lot of those weekend passes, not just the one-dayers. Let me know about your experience. This was so cool. Let me know. 503-417-7575. If you can't lob off a phone call, you can just tweet at me at Peter Sampson. This was amazing. And I don't want to sound like I had no faith because I did absolutely have faith. But as someone who's put together just millions of events over my life, you know, put together little concerts and parties and things like that, there's always that fear of, What if we throw a party and no one comes? And I think we've all been there, even if we are literally just talking about having a party, right? So what happens if we book the freaking convention center and try to bring representatives out from every team and have all these installations and legendary guest speakers and no one comes? It's scary. Well, guess what? 
everyone came. It was hopping. I was so, so excited. And uh, if you missed it this year, highly, highly recommend. I'm assuming this is going to come back next year. It's being billed as the first annual. And with the success that this event had, there's no way this thing isn't going to be a fixture here in the city of Portland. It was so much fun. Massive space. And the thing is, it was laid out really, really well. And, you know, if you're like me, you have a family. And, of course, you know, here I am. I'm a 40-year-old sports lover. I'm going to be just fine. I mean, hell, I was speaking at the event. It was going to be fine. But I have my kiddo. And he just wants to stay at home for Father's Day. Oh, Dad, I don't really want to go. Is there going to be a lot of people? Uh, is it going to be fun? I'll tell you what, man. If you're in that situation just like I was, four hours later, five hours later, he didn't want to leave. It was me that had to drag him out of the event. It was so kid-friendly. It was the perfect way. And you've heard it. You've heard JC say it a million times. This is a great way to spend Father's Day. And I'll tell you what. You know, I don't live in the same uh, city as my dad, but it would have been perfect. I could have taken my son, and I could have taken my old man, too, and we all would have had a great time. It was awesome. There was a half court. The Trailblazers set up a half court. I know Brooke Olsendam was there on Saturday. Uh, I played pickleball with the uh, Trailblazers dancers yesterday. Uh, Man, my kid was into the pickleball, too. He was beat red and just drenched in sweat by the time he was done. Ultimate Frisbee, disc golf. The kid got to... uh, do parkour with some dude from American Ninja Warrior. The the Winterhawks were out there. You were able to grab a stick and, and try to score a goal. Uh, the Timbers had reps out there. There was the massive sports card area. It was so, so cool. I, to be honest, I didn't even have an opportunity to really spend any time in the uh, memorabilia section. There was almost too much to do. I wish I had gone both days. If you were someone that picked up that weekend pass, good on you. That was smart. Hillsboro Hops were there. They had kind of a baseball version of skee-ball. I already mentioned my kid was beat red from running around, trying everything. Fun for all ages. My one bone to pick. <laughs> My kid's old enough to play catch. You know, he's eight, and we've been working on it for a while. But it's to the point, like, your mid is broken in. We can just gently toss the ball back and forth from across the yard, have a little conversation. You know what it, You know the difference between we're going to try to throw the ball and we can actually throw the ball if you're a dad. He's at that age. We can actually just throw the baseball around. And like most kids that age, and I remember being this way when I was eight, nine, ten as well, very concerned with how hard can I throw? How hard can you throw? How fast do you think that was, Dad? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Coming up on Sunday, Portland Diamond Project's going to be there, and they're going to have the jugs gun. They're going to have the radar gun out there. And I'll be honest, as someone that back in high school used to hit high 80s, low 90s, I, uh, I'll i be honest, I, uh, I wanted to see what I could do these days. I knew I wasn't going to do that anymore, but I was like, what can I do? I was very disappointed the gun was not calibrated. My kid stood 10 feet away and tosses it in, and it registers 83. And I was like, oh, man, it's going to tell me I'm throwing like 126 miles an hour. And I'm a legit 50 feet away. And, again, I'm not bringing, you know, Tyler Glasnow heat. I'm not bringing Steven Strasburg heat. But I let a few go. You know what it told me? It told me I was throwing like 54 miles an hour. That thing needed to be calibrated. That being said, 
even that added to the fun experience because my kid was able to give me a hard time. And you know what? I let him just believe that he could throw harder than me. I just let it go. It was so much fun. That doesn't even get to the big stage. Man, I didn't catch all the appearances. Again, I know Brooke was there. Uh, I know Sean's was listed as appearing on Saturday. I missed that. Brenda Tracy spoke in the morning. You had Alex Molden. You had Keenan Lowe in uh, what were some very, very, very intriguing conversations. I know that Gonzano's talking about editing some video of that and getting it out there. You had Jaden Grant, who, by the way, isn't just a great football player. I saw that dude banging out three-pointers on the Trailblazers half court, which I guess if you know who his dad is, sort of makes sense, right? But, uh, man, he he showed range that Pops never showed hitting those three-pointers. Uh, of course, we had uh, Hugh from Alene. Uh He and uh, Judah Newby and I had a nice panel on uh, discussing sports wagering, some good... Uh, some good uh, approaches to sports wagering, how to maximize your dollar. Of course, Alan A is opening up their sports book. Uh, hopefully next year it's going to be awesome because there's going to be college betting. You just can't bet on the Washington teams at Alan A. That's fine. Who wants to bet on the Huskies anyway? Who cares? So very excited about that. It was a great conversation. And most of all, like I can't imagine how proud and and relief isn't the right word, but you know when you you work really hard at something, maybe you're doing a bunch of yard work, maybe you're trying to run a half marathon for the first time or a marathon, or you're trying to set a PR in something, that exhausted sort of relief, it's not relief, but like, I did it, I did it. I know that Gonzano's at home right now feeling that, man, Cause it, and I, I relate to it so hard, and I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy for the area. It was a wonderful, wonderful time for all ages. Very, very fun. Really enjoyed it. If you were there, I want to hear from you. How was your experience? Again, my experience was a little bit different. I had to sort of participate in some of the stuff. But it was a blast. Got out and mingled. Uh, a lot of listeners came up, gave me fist bump. Shout out to you. Appreciate you saying hello. It was great to uh, get out and talk some sports with some uh, fellow sports fans. Love that. And it was just an overall vibe of just, man, uh, joy. It was essentially just a joyous occasion. We were all out there celebrating our love of sports, no matter what it was, from basketball, college football, the NFL. I mean, even the, the golf the the frisbee ultimate frisbee league i had no idea we even had an ultimate frisbee team in portland i had no idea but my kid was thrilled because he got to meet some of the players he got a uh, he got a nice frisbee from them you know had the team's logo on it it was just a dope experience from top to bottom a resounding success i doubt he's listening right now but if he is Kanzano, hats off for your efforts in making this happen and hats off to all the vendors all the representatives from the various teams locally that participated to all our speakers. And most of all, hats off to you if you went, because an event doesn't happen unless people show up and make it what it is. It was so much fun. I'm already looking forward to next year. My immediate thought was, man, is it going to be Father's Day again? Because that's the perfect weekend to do this. And I got to bring my old man next year if that's how it's going to be. So I can't speak to next year. I can't speak to when or what days or anything like that. But, man, I can't imagine it going any better than it actually 
did. So good. So, so good. And I'm telling you, I, I guarantee Kanzano's going to have some footage of the uh, the Keenan Lowe and the, the Alex Molden conversations. And especially speaking about sort of making the league, you know, Molden uh, making the NFL. And then when it's time to go, some very, very powerful stuff there. I really enjoyed that conversation. And uh, it was just spectacular. And, uh, of course, if you're a memorabilia collector, you probably had a good time, too. There was a lot of cards being uh, swapped, sold, traded, frankly, given away. It was so funny. Right before uh, the panel that I was on, man, the seats were filled. I mean, I mean, absolutely packed. I was like, holy cow, we're going to have the biggest crowd of the day. That's amazing. I had no idea. So many people cared what uh, what I thought about sports wagering. Yeah, no. And then someone gets up and gives a uh, Damian Lillard rookie card away, pristine mint condition, highly collectible. And then once that happens, you have your winner, who was of course joyous. You have your other participants in that giveaway immediately get up to go participate in the next giveaway. And I go, ah, that makes much more sense. It was dope. If you're a collector, though, I think they were doing giveaways every hour. I don't know that they were giving away Damian Lillard uh, mint condition rookies every hour, but they were giving away some very, very cool stuff. And it's a shame Judah Newby's not here today. You know his uh, his feelings on pickleball. He's an avid pickleball player and also an avid pickleball hater. He's talked many times about having the pickleball court right outside his window. And uh, people jumping up at 6 in the morning to play pickleball. 6 in the morning. Last year, his wife is pregnant, and you just hear at 6 in the morning. And I'll be honest, it sounded, well, his, his complaints did not sound stupid. They're incredibly valid. And I'm shocked that living in an HOA neighborhood, that's allowed. I lived in an HOA once where I had the wrong color flowers on my front porch, and I got a strongly worded letter. Bunch of blue hairs just desperate to exercise power over other people. I'm shocked that that's allowed there. That being said, I had never played pickleball. I was like, so what, ping pong meets tennis? Sounds kind of lame if you ask me. Yeah, it turns out it's rad. I'm looking at joining a league. I don't know where yet. 503-417-7575. We have a huge show today. A lot to talk about coming out of the weekend. But I do want you to share your experience at Worlds of Sport. How was it for you? What was your favorite part of the event? This thing was years in the making. What would? What do you want to keep? What did you love? What would you change? 503-417-7575 on Twitter at Peter Sampson. We'll be back in just a minute. This is the Bald Face Truth on the BFT Radio Network. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back in. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the bald face truth. He'll be back tomorrow taking a well deserved victory lap after Worlds of Sport. Very, very cool event. So there was a Washington Post report that the NFL reportedly is looking to seek a one-year suspension for Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. And this isn't surprising at all. And again, as things have continued to sort of pile up, uh, 
optically speaking for Deshaun Watson. I've been of the belief that, look, the league is going to have to do something sooner rather than later. You know, I said that, gosh, this was six weeks ago or whenever the the accuser spoke on uh, Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel on HBO four, five, six weeks ago. I said, man, don't be surprised if the league needs to move soon. Of course, more has come out. The New York Times had that uh, super in-depth piece a few weeks ago uh, that he uh, sought massages from 66 women. Several spoke on the record about uh, uh, his behavior in those uh massage sessions and uh the nfl is in a bad place not to mention that the nfl already has a horrible track record when it comes to uh the treatment of women basically if i'm just being real we have the ray rice situation and various other domestic violence issues you know of course you had the the slap on the wrist and then all of a sudden the video comes out and it's horrific and the nfl looks like it's being soft so I'm not surprised that the league believes that Watson should face a significant suspension for violating the league's personal conduct policy. So the reports, again, this is in the Washington Post, it says the league's interviewed 11 of the 24 women accusing him of sexual misconduct. And this is interesting. If he's Well, it's interesting for a few reasons. First of all, look, he and the Browns, you can tell they sort of knew this was coming because when he signed that record-breaking contract, that first year was a, relatively speaking, tiny, tiny amount of money. I think it was only a million bucks for the first year. You know, usually uh, contracts, if you're looking at a player's benefit, uh, you're talking about front-loading them. That along with guaranteed money in the NFL, because your career can be taken away. Just all it takes is one play, one injury, and you're done. The average NFL career is like four years. So you got to get your money guaranteed, and you want to get it up front. This, because the team and Watson clearly are expecting a suspension, they backloaded it. So should he be suspended for this year? I believe it's a million bucks in the first year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's incredibly low, especially considering that it's the biggest contract uh, given to a quarterback. And this is interesting because if he's suspended, now it's going to be two straight years without playing a single snap. The Texans, of course, you remember, they sidelined him for all of last year due to, well, these allegations. And also he demanded a trade. And part of me wonders if he knew this was coming out. And that's why he demanded a trade. Oh, this is going on all through the Houston area. I got to get out of here. Got to lay low. I'll go play in a different city. Maybe it'll go away. Yeah, guess what, Deshaun? It's not going away. So without even getting into the question of how effective is he going to be after not playing for two years. And I expect he's so physically gifted that it won't impact him as much as uh, maybe several other quarterbacks. But look, rust, time, it all matters. It all matters. You can train for football all you want. It's not playing football. You know, you're coming back from an injury, long suspension, whatever. Same same deal as the NBA. You can get in great shape, as good a shape as you can possibly imagine. You're still not going to be in shape when it comes to actually playing minutes. Not even to mention... All the, uh, the the timing and mental processing that an NFL quarterback has to do. Quarterback, it's the hardest position to play in sports. And I wonder how much of that, you know, you talk about the game slowing down for guys. If you don't play for two years, I wonder how much the game speeds up again. You know, I think that's a real possibility. Even for some of the super cerebral quarterbacks where, you know, at a, after a while you sort of know what you're doing and you're only up against your physical limitations because you can see everything. You know, you're like Neo in the Matrix. You're just looking out there and you understand what's going on. 
I wonder if rust sort of impacts that in a way. Not to mention, if he's suspended for a year, what does that mean for the Browns? Is that why they haven't moved Baker Mayfield yet? Because he's going to be the starter for one more season? Or have they burned that bridge? What should the Browns do? 503-417-7575. I want to go to Sean McPherson. Uh, Looking at uh, the Cleveland situation, Deshaun Watson, the Washington Post says uh, that the NFL will seek a one-year suspension for Watson. Do they dare make Baker Mayfield the starter for just one more season, or is that just a bridge too far? We're looking at an all-time bad offseason here for the Cleveland Browns because let's revisit the trade that brought Deshaun Watson to Cleveland in the first place. Three first-round picks, 2022, 2023, 2024. One third-round pick, two fourth-round picks. They gave up a total of six picks, including three firsts, all to bring Deshaun Watson in-house to the point where Kevin Stefanski is being asked questions about it every single day and the rest of the teammates are being asked questions about it every single day. And then you still have Baker Mayfield, who we know he's a little bit of a head case. We know he's not afraid to talk. He's still on this roster somehow. They failed to get rid of him, and now they might have to start him. And that's not going to end well for either party. Baker Mayfield does not want to be in Cleveland. He's not going to want to play well in Cleveland. So this is just a mess all around. I would want no part of being a Cleveland Browns fan, but, I mean, that's nothing new. I wouldn't have wanted (laughs) being a part of uh, being a Cleveland Browns fan for the last 20 years either. Yeah, I, you know, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on The Pulse, my show that comes on after the BFT here in Portland. I said, look, man, Cleveland Brown fan, you've been through enough. You don't deserve to have to go through this, too. Pick a new team. I think we decided that you're a Dolphins fan now. If, you, uh, if you're previously a Cleveland Browns fan, just be a Dolphins fan. See what Tua's arm strength is. You can enjoy Tyreek Hill. They got a great defense. Just pick a new team. This whole situation's a mess. And uh, the real question is, I mean, Baker Mayfield, and look, I'm, relatively speaking, a believer in Baker Mayfield. I don't believe that he was maybe the choice as the number one overall pick. I don't believe he helps himself with his mouth or even his attitude. I think he's a fine quarterback. He's not great. He's pretty good. But there's a place in the NFL for a pretty good quarterback. That being said, I don't know that he's professional enough after all of this to go ahead and go, yeah, yeah, I'll take this starting job. Yeah, put me in. I'll play. That's fine. I'll do this because I'm a big boy and I'm going to put my big boy pants on. No, I don't think Baker is going to do that. I think he wants out. Well, we know he wants out. That's not an opinion. But I think he's going to say, oh, you don't have a quarterback now and you want me? That's a you problem, not a me problem. I fully expect that. Now, whether the Browns will actually listen to that, I'm not so sure. I mean, ultimately, they could just say, hey, you're playing or you're not getting paid. Historically, that's enough to get players to suit up. But is it enough this year? I mean, frankly, the the Browns quarterback that they traded for last year didn't suit up. He refused and didn't get paid. They traded for him. Now the guy they had and might need to turn to for at least 17 games might refuse as well. This whole situation is a mess. And just what frustrates me, you know what I don't ever want to hear again? I don't ever, ever want to hear a GM or a media member quoting a GM or a coach talking about a guy being a distraction. Well, we didn't bring him in because we thought he was a distraction. You, you don't care. 
you don't care about the distraction. You don't care about these allegations, frankly. It's can we win games? Can we actually not only get to the playoffs, but can we win a playoff game? Could we maybe even win a couple? That's all that matters to these people. It's all that matters to these teams. And you you see it, uh, Antonio Brown, with all his business and multiple chances for all these guys, it all comes down to can you help us on the field? And, you know, Deshaun Watson, if you remove everything from the equation except for his performance on the field, yes, he is a phenomenal quarterback, and he can help you on the field. But he didn't play last year, and it's looking, according to the Washington Post, there's a very, very, very good chance that he's not going to play this year. That is two full seasons missed. I hope it was worth it because you gave up a lot of draft capital, and you're taking a lot of heat. Hope it was worth it. Enjoy the protests outside your stadium. Enjoy, enjoy declining ticket sales from women and men who support women. You can't support this guy. You can't support this situation. And I totally understand. I know, I'm, I'm sure I'm already getting on Twitter. Uh, they declined to press charges. You're right. You're right. I'm not saying you should go to jail. A grand jury declined to press charges. Absolutely not. But there are personal conduct policies in place in the NFL. Same deal. And it's it's a tired argument when you say, well, if I did that in my job. Yeah, I mean, it's a stupid argument, but I'm going to make it anyway. If I did that in my job, I get fired. I just do. You know why? Personal conduct policy. It's the same deal. In this situation, it directly applies. So I would say I feel bad for Browns fans, and I guess I do. Switch teams, man. Switch teams. There's 31 other teams out there. Pick any one. You can even pick another bad one if you want to. It's okay. I totally get it. I've rooted for bad teams, too. I've been a Rams fan since before they were good. I know the pain. So, just yeah, be a Dolphins fan. That was what we decided. That's your team, isn't it, Sean? You're a Dolphins fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's why we decided it. That was the criteria, is we decided since Sean McPherson is a Dolphins fan, you also should be a Dolphins fan. But, man, you should don't tolerate this mess. And I know a big, big portion of the fan base, not all, maybe not even half, but if he comes back, not this coming season, but the next season, and if he throws, you know, 29 touchdowns and only seven interceptions and the Browns, you know, win a playoff game, a big chunk of people are going to forget all of this. To me, it's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting older. I used to be in the uh, win it all costs, baby. I don't need to be friends with these guys. Doesn't matter to me. You know, took me a long time to get off the jailblazers train. You know what I'm saying? I was, but maybe it's because I'm a dad now. Maybe I'm just older. I realize it's just entertainment. You know, it's an interesting uh, sort of uh, delineation there. But man, just I can't root for this guy, and you shouldn't have to either, Browns fan. Uh, real quick, let's go to the phone lines. 503-417-7575. Sean is in Vancouver. Go ahead, Sean. What's on your mind? Uh, What's up, Sean? Hello? Hey, how's it going? Good. So, uh, I'm a Texan fan. I have been for since day one of the franchise when I was living in Houston. And nice. uh, I am pleased as punch right now <laughs> to hear that, uh, number one, you've gone from my organization that I really enjoy watching so much. And number two, that the Browns, uh, draft picks could be pretty high because they won't have a quarterback of any kind <laughs> worth anything. Because if they do keep Baker, he's not going to play all that particularly hard, I don't think. And I don't think they will. They're, 
they want to get rid of him. And um, if they don't play him, who are they going to play? Yeah, that's the real question. Appreciate the phone call. That's Sean in Vancouver, Texans fan since day one. Yeah, all that draft capital uh, might not just be a first-round pick. You might, depending on who ends up even suiting up, I mean, that might be a phenomenal pick or two. Who knows? Because really, I mean, yeah, he, he might be back next year. This might end up in an untenable situation. You hear whispers that maybe the Browns might seek to void that contract. I don't think they can. I don't think they can. You know why? Because they came out and sat in front of the media on camera and said, does this sound familiar, Blazer fans? We did our due diligence. We left no stone unturned. Oh, so then you were aware of all this and you can't claim now that you're getting all this public backlash and he's not available for you, that you were blindsided and you want to void this contract, conduct, or excuse me, contract under the personal conduct policy. I think the Browns are stuck. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. But if nothing else, it seems like Deshaun Watson won't be suiting up in Cleveland next year. 503-417-7575 is the number to call. We'll go away, come back. Oh, cool, another dramatic athlete being dramatic this time in the NBA. I'll tell you about that. We'll keep it going. I am Peter Sampson for John Canzano. This is the BFT on the BFT Radio Network. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Some NBA news today. Shams Charania, scoop broker, and essentially Kyrie Irving publicist, Shams Charania, uh, came out and uh, said that the uh, Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie have hit an impasse when it comes to to talks and that Kyrie could potentially uh, go somewhere else. And to me, well, A, it just read like this is direct from Kyrie's camp and it's strictly just trying to put pressure on Brooklyn to give Kyrie what he wants, which is uh, a new max deal. Kyrie has a player option. Uh, that he can opt into at, uh, I think it's $37 million for this coming season. He can use that also to become a free agent this offseason. But, of course, there are rumors that he might end up somewhere else. Because if you're just talking about talent, I mean, Kyrie Irving's a max player, but this is a dude that averages like 40 games a year over the last few years. There's all the stuff that goes along with Kyrie. And... It certainly seems that the Brooklyn Nets and at least some other teams are realizing, man, the juice isn't worth the squeeze with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, when he plays, he's great. But anything aside from actual on-court performance, you know, leadership, uh, optics, actually suiting up, you always get issues with Kyrie Irving. So it's clear that the Nets, I'm not saying they're not going to do it, but they're at least reluctant to just give this dude a five-year max extension. Now, of course, of course, the Lakers, Clips, and Knicks are interested. Of course they are. Because the Lakers, Knicks, and to a degree the Clippers, need help. Most, mostly uh, New York and, uh, and the purple and gold. Now, Kyrie, at the end of the season, when they had uh, uh, exit interviews, he said he didn't plan on going anywhere when the season was over. I think his direct quote was, I'm not going to leave number seven. Kevin Durant, because, you know, KD 
came to play with Kyrie. They engineered that to be together. Kyrie just plays when he feels like it. And uh, now there's a chance he's going to bounce out. And if nothing else, it's amazing that I've managed to feel sympathy for Kevin Durant. That's an emotion I did not know I was capable of. So (laughs) you learn something new every day, right? So he does have some leverage, though, because he can choose to become a free agent. And with that, you can sort of, at least to a degree, uh, control where you land with preferred destinations. Now, the New York Knicks much more so than the Clippers and Lakers, actually have plausible paths to cap space. Movable salaries, they can dump, you know, and the Knicks would have to attach draft capital to each of these guys. But you can move out Evan Fournier and a pick, Alec Burks and a pick, Nerlens Noel and a pick, Kimball Walker's corpse and a pick. And then you can clear up enough room that you can sign this guy. Now, the Lakers and the Clippers... Basically, by acquiring Kyrie and paying him, you'd go over the hard cap. You know, there's the cap, and then there's the cap. And, of course, teams go over the cap all the time. They pay the luxury tax, and oftentimes that's what you do or need to do in order to field a winner. But you're not allowed to spend over the hard cap, and the Lakers and Clips would get hit above that. But there is an option here. Kyrie Irving could simply just opt out and then just take less money in a sign-in trade or an incredibly uh, small amount and just sign wherever he wants. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up facilitating a sign-and-trade. Now, I know Laker fan thinks they're going to be able to move Westbrook for him, and this sounds crazy, but I think if Kyrie Irving really forces their hand, that's where he wants to go. He wants to reunite with LeBron James, and he wants to play with AD. I think... He could make that happen. Now, the Lakers would need to include some pick somewhere, I'm sure, for Russell uh, Russell Westbrook's expiring deal. But, man, is this guy even worth the headache? Now, I know if you're a Laker fan, you're probably saying, yeah, LeBron will keep him in check. LeBron kept him in check before, and he'll do it again. I mean, maybe, maybe, but LeBron's not going to be around forever. Do you want Kyrie Irving? On max money, even if he takes less this year, you know that's just to get that max deal later with the bird rights. You want to give this guy a max contract? Do you want to commit to this guy for five seasons or four seasons, whatever that option is? He's a phenomenal player. I mean, unbelievable. He's a wizard. He's also a knob. (laughs) He's completely unreliable. You can't build a team around this guy. Now in L.A., of course, you wouldn't be building around him. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Knicks try to make a move because, of course, the Knicks felt spurned the first time. They wanted KD and Kyrie. They wanted to play in New York, but they didn't want to play for that dumpster fire franchise. They said, ah, no, we'll build it in Brooklyn, and we'll bring all these guys in, and we'll have the big three, and we're going to be awesome. Uh, How'd that work out for you? Outside of Durant and Kyrie, not a lot of talent in Brooklyn, man. Not a good team. I mean, I guess you've got Ben Simmons, potentially. Who knows what's up with Simmons? This is wild, by the way. It's crazy how much less drama there would be or have been in the NBA over the last five or six years if Kyrie, KD, and Simmons weren't in the league, and now they're all teammates. That's so wild to me. But that being said, I applaud Brooklyn for not just giving in to this guy, not just saying, oh, sure, we'll give you the most we're legally allowed, and you can just keep uh, doing whatever you want to do. Just suit up whenever you want, Kyrie. 
And it wasn't just this last season. It was the season before, too. Just, I got stuff going on. I'm not going to suit up. It's not a leader. You can't count on him. He's not worth a max deal. You can't count on him to play 82 games, or even 72, or even 65. Can't be done. But I guarantee, you know the saying, you need to, the rules are in place because you need to save general managers from themselves. Someone will do it. I guarantee. If it doesn't work out in Brooklyn, Kyrie's going to get his money. We'll see how it works out. I don't have faith. But to me, Sean, Kyrie Irving, I applaud the Nets for taking a stand. And look, there's a chance they're going to work something out anyway. But I applaud that they're not just going to give in and give him this max contract when he's shown you can't count on the guy to play. No, he is. Uh, it's just so funny to me that Ben Simmons, KD, and Kyrie, like you said, are all on the same team. You can see why KD is on Twitter every single day, just, you know, venting. And yeah. it's like therapy for him to try to get away. It's like an outlet. Uh, I, I think Kyrie is an incredibly talented player, and I think he's worth a risk. Maybe not for the Nets. You know, I'm not. I'm not willing to give him a five-year contract. But if you're a team like the Lakers, if you're a team like the Knicks, he might be worth a stab. Unfortunately, I don't think those teams have win-now assets to give up. You know, assuming that you're not going AD for Kyrie, or if you're the Knicks, like the Knicks have nothing. Yeah. You know, RJ Barrett's a really nice player. They're not giving him up. You wouldn't think. But, no, I mean, Kyrie, if he's in the right situation, like, I do think he would work out on the Lakers next to LeBron. I think he would be worth it, but I don't think the Lakers can get him. And there's not many other teams that I think would, would take a take a risk on the guy. He's extremely talented. Every once in a while he shows why he's a top 10 player in the world, why he's all-time talent, but he his head isn't there. And, he, yeah. you know, like you said, he, he kind of takes the games off and he kind of does his own thing. He's a free thinker and... Uh, just not really worth it. So I think the Nets are in a really precarious position, and I think you know it's another organization that I think's made a lot of regrettable decisions over the last couple of years. Yeah, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm pissed. I mean, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm mad at everything because Kevin Durant's mad at everything all the time. So I guess uh, that's an obvious statement. But seriously, KD came here to play with Kyrie and you already had James Harden they acquire Harden and then you have him just give up and force his way out and now Kyrie's doing this Kevin Durant's going to be the last man standing and I never thought in a million years that that snake Kevin Durant would be a sympathetic figure to me but here I am I'm kind of feeling bad for the guy no no don't get me wrong All I got to do is look back at the last five, six, seven years of Kevin Durant, and I'll stop feeling bad for the guy. But that being said, man, he's going to be left all alone here with just a bunch of garbage around him. Because, again, I don't think anyone that actually has something worth trading is going to make a a move for Kyrie if he does force his way out. I mean, what, like uh, Tyler Hero, I hear he might want out. So, like, Hero and Kyle Lowry. But, I mean, if you're the Nets, is that really worth you know, giving up Kyrie's talent. I guess maybe if you're talking about him only playing 40 games, then yeah, at least you, even the shell that Lowry is, he can at least play. Tyler Hero won sixth man of the year. But to me, this is just an, a dramatic dude causing drama for the sake of drama because it's what he does. couple thoughts here. First thought, is it 100% sure that KD's going to be on the Nets next year? Because if Kyrie moves out, are we sure the Nets aren't just going to rebuild and, you know, maybe move off KD or if KD requests a trade? 
that might be in play for this NBA offseason. If we're already hearing rumblings that Kyrie might yeah. be out, I don't. I can't imagine KD wanting to play with Seth Curry and you know Ben Simmons, who might not even play. That's the first thing. The second thing on my mind right now is that KD's postseason has <laughs> what a bad postseason for KD. Not yeah. only did he get swept with a, a fully healthy team, but then he had to go watch the Warriors win it all without him, <laughs> with Andrew Wiggins basically playing the the KD role. I mean, I think. I think Curry is definitely surpassed. We could talk legacies all day on this show, sure. but I think Curry is definitely past KD, and I think yeah. KD's legacy really, really took a hit this uh, this postseason, like really bad. Yeah, it did. It, it took a hit when he joined the Warriors, and it took a hit again just this month or in the last two months. So that's that's interesting. Would KD force his way out if Kyrie leaves? Man, you're, if you're talking a, a hot trade season, if Kevin Durant is potentially available, and you know a guy of his stature around the league, like he would have preferred destinations, and and they would probably acquiesce to those preferred destinations. But seeing a player like KD available in the trade market, I mean, look, James Harden was a baller once, but and he's been on the trade market. But Kevin Durant, it, that's a whole different story. That would be interesting. He would, you'd have twenty teams lining up trying to get this guy. At least making the phone call. Come on, Blazers, let's go. Just don't trade Trendon Watford. That's that's too much for me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I would give up everything but Lillard for, for Kevin Durant. I I bring that up because I saw on Twitter, uh, Blazers Twitter's losing their mind right now because it's it's a mock trade season. It's trade hypothetical season, and uh, you see them all over Twitter. What about this deal? What about that deal? And I'm seeing things like, uh, you know, name an all star, not a superstar, but an all star, and you bring him back and for this player, you know, this player and this player, and you'll say like, oh yeah, that's fair. But not Trendon Watford. I won't part with that guy. And look, I've spent the last like four months shouting out Trendon Watford because he got a contract and he's a legit like ninth man. Trendon Watford should never be the obstacle to obtaining a, a double digit scorer in the NBA ever. And I'm seeing it all over the timeline right now. This is the time of year where NBA fans they value their guys too much. They're we're all emotionally attached. And now that the possibility that some of these guys are on the move, we're all like, no, 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 no. It's wild to see. That's why the NBA draft, Sean, cannot get here fast enough. It's a big week for the NBA, man, and it's crazy to say because the season just ended, but it's a really, really big week here in Portland. The Blazers, there's there's a lot of different routes they can go with this number 7 pick. Will they trade it? Will they use it? If they do use it, who do they use it on? Do they use it on a win-now type player that can play with Dame? Do they use it on a you know a draft-and-stash type player that you're not going to get any value from yeah. for years? It's a really big week for the Blazers. It's also, you know, this NBA draft might get very interesting. Like I was, I, you know, I've been listening to some things that say the Kings might trade back, and yeah. you know, number four, they might not want, they might want a win now player, and suddenly you have a guy like Jaden Ivey who's just up for grabs, and you know, the top three, I don't think anyone knows how it's going to shake out. So you're right, this NBA draft can't get here soon enough, and we're only three days away. Yeah, I'm so excited, and at the top of the next hour in less than ten minutes, I want to kick that around for the Trail Blazers. Uh, what should they do? What will they do? It's basically an opportunity. We're going to call our shot on how draft day goes on Thursday. We'll go away. We will come back in just a couple minutes. We've got a big splash coming up in the next segment. Uh, more on this LIV, the Live Golf Tournament, the Golf Invitational. Some more news regarding their battle with the PGA. I'll tell you about that next.
to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. Hour number one, almost in the books. Every day on the show, we give you the big splash. Today is no different. Let's do it. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Must be the big splash. Brought to you by the Exogen Twice Daily Thermometer. Well, LIV Golf is in the news again. CEO Greg Norman said that LIV Golf is going to apply for official World Golf Ranking Points consideration today. He said they have a compelling application. They've worked closely with the OWGR Technical Committee to understand the process. And uh, he was interviewed on Fox News this weekend. He asked whether PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan who's one of the eight members of the World Golf Ranking Board of Governors, would recuse himself from voting on Live Golf's application. And, of course, Monaghan, uh, during an interview with Jim Nance during the final round of the uh, the RBC Canadian Open just a couple weeks ago, he defended his position to suspend 17 players who have defected from the tour to join Live Golf, uh, which is being financed by Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund. So additional PGA Tour players, of course, that includes Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Patrick Reed, who won the 2018 Masters. They're expected to be included in the 48-man field for Live Golf's next event, which will be the first one played in the United States. That is at Pumpkin Ridge on June 30th. Man, I can't believe it. Ten days away that thing's coming to Oregon. June 30th to July 2nd. Monahan said players who competed in future live golf events without a conflicting event release would face the same punishment as the 17 players who were initially suspended. Even if live golf is uh, actually going to become a recognized tour, it'll probably receive reduced points just because of the format. It has 48-man fields, 54 holes. Of course, the PGA Tour has 72 holes and fields as large as 156 players. On the other side, hour number two of the BFT. Appreciate you rolling with me on your Monday. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the BFT Radio Network. The home of the truth. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Hour number two of the bald faced truth. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. Appreciate you rolling with me this afternoon. Hope you had a great Father's Day weekend. Worlds of Sport was fantastic. I talked about that off the top of the show. If you're just joining and you were at Worlds of Sport, Lob me off a phone call. Tell me about your experience. 503-417-7575. I knew it was going to be great. I didn't realize it was going to be that great. Super family friendly. Just a blast. You know it's good when you, uh, you're, you have to drag your kid out of the convention center. He's beat red, dripping in sweat from playing all day. Had a blast. I was also really excited. This weekend I watched, uh, uh, you know, it's festivals, festival season. It's concert festival season. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to travel to Coachella. I'm not going to travel to Bonnaroo or anything like that. But I saw Bonnaroo was streaming 
on Hulu all weekend. The full four-day festival. Just a handful of the acts, I think, did not give their permission to be streamed. So, for example, you know, Tool was a headliner, but I couldn't watch Tool. But I wanted to check that out, man. I've got the giant 4K TV. I've got the the surround sound, you know, <laughs> the big subwoofer. It's like, man, how is this going to be? Let's check this out. It was really well done. I'm sure, I know, it doesn't replace the actual festival experience, you know, actually going, making friends that you swear are lifelong friends and then you never talk to them again because you live in completely different parts of the country. You're getting together. You're having the time of your life. But, man, the sound and the 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 videography, it was really, really cool. I enjoyed it. And, uh, I mean, if you've never heard of Bonnaroo, you know, it's two stages going on. There's a million acts. Um, I will tell you, I'm a little out of touch. The first time I turned it on, I cranked this bad boy up. And I fully admit I'm out of touch when it comes to something like EDM. I mean, I am a musician. I'm a music music appreciation guy. But uh, EDM just doesn't do it for me. It just doesn't. I can't get down. I understand it as, you know, someone who works in, you know, does a lot of music production. I certainly admire the skill that it takes to put those things together and actually create that stuff. It just doesn't do it for me musically. And that's fine. I'm certainly not going to tell you that you're wrong if that's what you get down with. We used to have a guy here at the station, uh, uh, Brandon Dros, who was huge into EDM. Uh, Alabama Adriana, who I saw this weekend, also into a lot of that stuff. Doesn't do it for me. But, man, there is an act. They have a ridiculous name. When I turn on Hulu to check out, man, what's Bonnaroo like? What's going on there? I crank it up. Black Tiger Sex Machine. Now, it's an amazing name, right? That's about as good a name as a musical act can have. It was just it was just daft punk, but it was different people. Right down to the the ridiculous helmets, so you can't see who, see who they are. And this is what bugs me. And I'm going to sound out of touch, but I know what I'm talking about. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. Just pushed a button and danced while a cool light show was going on. And pyrotechnics, all oh, that was cool. If I was of an altered state of mind, I would have really enjoyed it. But they didn't do anything. And, yeah, you can call me or you can tweet at me and tell me, oh, no, you don't know the work that goes into all that. No, actually, I do. I do. I have turntables. I I can DJ a little bit. I I have all that recording capability. I I understand how that works. And so I know that they put all this stuff together, and it probably took years, years to create, you know, their set list, their album, all that. But once they got up there... It was like they just hit play and they just kind of jumped up and down in these ridiculous helmets. Looked like Strong Bad from Homestar Runner, man. You have to be a certain age to get that reference. I don't know. I mean, it sounded great. It just wasn't my thing. That being said, I love the idea that you can get all this live stuff direct to your house. And it makes sense because, look, man, back in the day, we remember, oh, Netflix. You can just get DVDs delivered. That's so amazing. That's so dope. And then they went to streaming, and that was just the future. And they had everything. I remember the 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 sketch comedy show, The Kids in the Hall. I'm a huge fan. It's probably my favorite comedy show of all time. And I shelled out the few hundred bucks years ago, you know, 15 years ago, bought like the 24-disc set on DVD. Well, now Netflix is a thing 
I'll just sell that at the the record store for thirty bucks and just buy a couple records. Well, it turns out that was a really stupid idea because then you get more and more streaming services, and it's all fragmented now. And we're basically back to, boy, if only we could just bundle those all together, all these streaming services. We could pipe it to our house in some kind of cable, maybe. That's where we're at. That's where it's going again. But that being said, I love the idea that these different services are trying to differentiate themselves by offering stuff like this. Because I saw, I don't remember the name of the festival, but also this weekend on Amazon Prime, Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It was in D.C. Pharrell was a big guy, and it was it was like hip-hop, soul, R&B. I watched some of that, too. It was killer, especially because I really didn't know many of the acts at all uh, when I was watching. It was just like, hey, who's this band? Wow, they're incredibly talented. And uh, on both of the, the, the presentations, I mean, just the mix coming from the stage, you know how it is, man. There's nothing worse than... Uh, you know, watching something musically and the mix, it's its dominated, you know, it's way too bassy or the singer is like 20 decibels louder than everybody else. And it's not that way if you're standing in front of the stage watching, but that's what they're piping to you at home. Nothing worse than that. Or as soon as the guitar player is ready to rip off his, his uh, and shred his solo, then they just focus on the drummer. You can't watch. It was none of that. It was super well done. And I know that more and more acts are doing this. I remember, uh, Halloween, uh, this was like peak pandemic. Halloween, I guess that'd be 2020. Uh, one of my favorite acts, they did a, a live performance to nobody, and they just, you, you bought a ticket. It was just 15 bucks, and they just performed, and it, it streamed. It was in 4K, full surround sound mix, and it was an experience, man. It was really cool. So to get that just included was really, really dope. Um, I hope that this is the future, because, I mean, look, man, I'm getting old. My days of considering, man, maybe I'll just throw you know a thousand bucks on plane tickets and a few hundred bucks on a festival, and I'll just go to Coachella. Yeah, that's probably I probably missed my uh, my window on that. I almost went in like oh seven or something, but I'm probably never gonna do that. No matter how much I tell myself that I will one of these days, it's not gonna happen. If I'm being honest, but if I can get those bands, if I can just get the musical experience in the background, it was dope. I was watching it. I was playing Uno with my kid. While I had just the music cranked from Bonnaroo coming through, he was not a fan of Black Tiger's Sex Machine, however. He was not a fan. I'll be honest, I wasn't either. Again, I get it. EDM, it take, that takes so much work. Endless, countless hours in the studio. And by studio, if it's EDM, I just mean plug, your keyboard plugged into your laptop. But I'm not dismissing it. That's a lot of work. But man... It was, they just pushed a button and jumped up and down in helmets. The light show was cool, but I could have just went to OMSI and watched Laser Floyd for the millionth time. It's kind of the same deal. I don't know, man. I liked it, though. Now, Sean, I know you're kind of a music guy as well. Did you Have you caught any of this, kind of the, the festival scene now coming to a living room near you? Yeah, I, I sometimes like to watch, you know, Coachella on my TV. And like yeah. you, it's been on my list for so many years. And one of these times I have to make it because a lot of my favorite artists always go out to Coachella. But, no, I, I'm totally with you on the uh, the EDM. I personally, it's not, it's not my cup of tea always, but I don't mind a little EDM if I'm in a certain yeah. mood. But I, I can't do it always. It's a certain mood. 
I agree with you though that I'm not. I, I sometimes question the uh, the talent of these guys because yeah, it's hard to it's hard to compose the music. But you know when they do these shows, they it's like like you said, they just they put on a button and they jump around. That's that's literally all they yeah. do. And you compare that to some other artists that you can go out and see, it's incredible talents like. Um, my parents saw Coldplay, and you just have Steve Martin just running around. There's a light show, and he's working his tail off the entire show. He's performing, and he's doing dancing. Chris Martin. Chris, sorry, yeah. Chris Martin. Um, yeah, and that just <laughs> that does not compare to an EDM show. It's just you know not a lot of talent when it comes to those guys performing. Yeah, and again, I, I want to be clear. It's it's not like the music. It's not my thing. But again, I'm not I'm not going to yuck your yum. You know what I mean? If you dig it, that's great. But it's it's like a background thing to me. Where like you know, if you see you you never know. You can walk in and see a band that changes your life, and you connect with them so deeply. But to me, I can't. And again, this is maybe just me, you know, yelling to get off my lawn, but I, I just can't connect. Like, I just don't really get anything emotionally out of it. Like, sort of intellectually, I can, you know, I have a very strong audio engineering background and, you know, I've done a lot of recording in my day and I can sort of admire like, oh, I see what they did there. I really like that oscillator that they used and they then they did a sweep, sweeping low pass filter. Man, they took that all the way to, to 20 hertz. And that's what my mind is doing while I'm watching this. That's not to me the, the the just the type of art that I enjoy consuming. Now, don't get me wrong. If I'm there and I'm enjoying the festivities as one does, getting there and just cutting loose to the giant. Because you know, the thing is, is like the the light show. That was all cool. It was everything except the actual people, quote unquote plane they weren't there it was like a they might as well have just been paid to show up and stand outside a gas station and be like hey it's us you're meeting us in person like there's no difference between any performance that they give and just a meet and greet somewhere just walk out on stage and be like oh my god there they are there they are i'm right next to them i love their music but they're not like playing the music man they're just they they literally pushed a button and then bounced i was looking for it because look i want my mind changed and there are a lot of acts that incorporate those sort of things there are, but <laughs> that being said, they also play. They'll also, maybe they're cutting up their stuff live on the air and sort of reimagining it, remixing it, doing all that. That take That's real stuff. That's a performance. And so even without getting into the music, which isn't my thing to begin with, but man, if you're, if you're just hitting play and just standing there, I'll never forget. I went and saw, this is a deep cut, but I went and saw an avant-garde metal group called Phantomus 15 years ago, maybe more. It's Mike Patton from Faith No More. The guitar player is uh, is uh, Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. It's uh, The bass player is Trevor Dunn, who plays in a bunch of jazz groups, and he also played in Mr. Bungle. I've interviewed him on this show, actually. And then the drummer, who most people know, it's Dave Lombardo from Slayer. And so, okay, whatever. But the opening act... It was a it was a I don't even know if it exists anymore. I'd never heard of it. It was a dude who went by Adam Smasher. Like like think like nuclear fission, an Adam Smasher. And I was like, man, what's Adam Smasher? Are they gonna be weird avant-garde metal like this too? What's it gonna be? I'm is it gonna be like crazy freak out jazz? I have no idea. The dude came out and in the middle of the stage at the I think it was the Roseland Theater, he had a laptop on a desk and he sat down at the laptop. And he just pushed a button, and it's just, it's like the craziest noise. I'm not even talking like, oh, EDM is just, no I mean, it was noise. It was intentionally confrontational, like like a noise 
performance art. But there was no performance. He sat down and he clicked a mouse and he sat there. And I swear to you, he was just playing Minesweeper for 30 minutes while it was just endless, crazy dissonant noise. And then he clicked again and it stopped and he walked off. There was no performance whatsoever. And while I admire the courage to, because uh, some of that uh, that uh, uh, outsider music is very, very, it can be interesting on an intellectual level. I was just like, what the hell is that? How much did this dude got paid at least a thousand bucks? To come down and just click a laptop, you couldn't. You could have had a roadie do that for you. No one would have known that you weren't even there, and you could have just shopped at Powell's while you were in Portland, because that's what all the touring bands like to do. You could just had a roadie sit down and just click. No one would have had any idea. You wouldn't have even had to go out there. I don't get it, man. I just need an element of performance in my acts. All that being said, I really enjoyed Bonnaroo. I really enjoyed. I don't remember what the other festival's called. You would have liked this, Adam. I know you're... Er, Adam, sorry. Sean, talking about your roommate. Uh, you would have liked this, Sean. I know your taste in music. And this was... It was like it was a lot of like soul, R&B, and hip-hop. It was, it was, I think it was like something in the water festival or something like that. Pharrell, I think, put a lot of the money down to put it together. It was on Amazon Prime. Really, really good. I didn't even really know the acts, but I would just kind of flip through every once in a while. And no matter when I turned it back on, there was something dope on there. It was so good. That's awesome. That I mean, that's look. Music festivals are a ton of fun. I I've never I'm yet to go to one, but anytime you can get an outdoor setting, I was at an outdoor concert just a couple of weeks ago. It's just it's such a blast. It feels like feels like the world's just your oyster, and you know, uh, whenever you have a uh, just live music right in front of you. Yeah, it's just it's different than a than an indoor venue. An indoor venue, it's you know, it's all sweaty and you know, it's so hot in there. Yeah. And, the audio is not often as good, but it, it, there is something to be said about an outdoor concert and uh, just quality music being played. It, it really does feel like the world's your oyster. Yeah, it does. And you're right, man. It's, it really is a different vibe. You know, growing up as a young adult here in Portland, and it's not really the case anymore, uh, but, you know, there, there used to be just venues every block. You know, it felt like anyway, you know, you'd have... Even if we're talking just crusty, gross, you know, the Paris Theater, the Ash Street Saloon, Burbati's Pan, Dante's is still there, all those. And you get these just hot, sweaty, kind of underground shows. And, like, sometimes it can be uncomfortable, but, man, it's it's so much more of, like, a, a connection that way. You can connect to the act a little bit while they're playing. It's, it's nice and it's intimate. But on the flip side, the outdoor show... It's a more leisurely pace. Uh, we'll skip this band. We'll walk over here. We'll just enjoy the music in the background while we're doing our thing. We're linking up with people. We're having a good time. Totally different vibe. Both are good. If you're curious what I'm talking about with that band, though, quote-unquote band, Black Tiger Sex Machine. It's fake Daft Punk, man. That's all it is. All right, coming up next, the NBA draft is Thursday. You know I'm going to be all over this this week. I'm going to break that down. The Blazers have the seventh pick. What will they do? What should they do? I'm Peter Sampson in for Gonzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the Bald Face Truth. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. He will be back tomorrow. He's taking a victory lap after Worlds of Sport. Stellar event. 
What a great way to end last week and start this week. It was unbelievable. Had so much fun. You know he'll share more about that tomorrow, so you're going to want to tune in for that. Big week in sports. NBA draft just three days away. It's on Thursday. I, of course, will be all over it on my show in Portland. The Pulse, 6-7, to immediately after this show. Trailblazers have the seventh overall pick. What I kind of want to do here, I want you to call your shot. What should the Blazers do, and what will they do? 503-417-7575. You can tweet at me. Go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter, at Peter Sampson, S-A-M-P-S-O-N. A lot of rumors surrounding the Blazers. Uh, of course, all the uh, evidence points to them uh, really dangling that pick out to uh, improve the roster around Damian Lillard. And uh, the rumors have linked them to Detroit's Jeremy Grant. Of course, uh, John Collins in Atlanta. Uh, this is now out in the uh, the public consciousness. I'd like to feel like I did my part in this by proposing it like two and a half weeks ago. But uh, uh, Bleacher Report had this trading back to uh, 12 and snagging Lou Dort from Oklahoma City for their trouble. What should the Trailblazers do with the seventh pick. I didn't even mention OG Ananobi, of course. Toronto could potentially be available. And it's an interesting question because you have to sort of go, well, what is the goal? What should the Trailblazers' goal be? Should it be to improve the roster around Damian Lillard, 32 years old, point guard, furthest he's gone as a Western Conference Finals? If it is, can they get enough with that seventh overall pick and any of their other assets to put a contender or something that could reasonably approach a contender that can be tinkered with over the next coming years on Damian Lillard's timeline. If that's the goal, what should they do? Or should they look to rebuild and stock up and uh, perhaps get a little bit younger and try to time things with, say, Anthony Simon's timeline, Nasir Little's timeline, and some of these other young guys, whoever the seventh pick would be. It's an interesting conundrum. There's no real right answer. There's no real wrong answer because both make sense. The Blazers are straddling two different timelines right now. I like the idea of Jeremy Grant. I don't like the, the idea of the seventh pick for Jeremy Grant. It's just a little too much for me, especially when you see that Christian Wood just went to Dallas. He's a 17-10 and guy, and he just went to Dallas to play with Luka Doncic for the 26th pick and just some expiring garbage. I mean, that if that's the market for a 17-10 and guy, you would think that the Trailblazers could get a decent haul with that 7th pick. Remains to be seen. Jeremy Grant, nice player, relatively a two-way player. If you only watched him in Detroit, you might not be that impressed because he's turned into a high-volume guy. They don't really have much around him. I mean, Cade Cunningham really came on at the end of uh, his rookie year, and I expect him to continue his ascension this year. But Jeremy Grant, just taking a lot of shots. But if you remember him, say, with Denver, Jeremy Grant is a fine two-way player. He's not an elite offensive player. He can get you 15 points a game. He's not an elite defensive player, but he's, I'd say, slightly above average. Compared to some of the Blazers defenders we've seen over the last couple years, he'd look like a defensive stud. John Collins, the Collins that maybe the Blazers should have drafted in 2017 instead of Zach Collins, 
we're again talking a 17 and 10 guy, great offensive player, has lapses on defense, doesn't need a ton of shots. But if you're talking a front court of Collins and Yusuf Nurkic, that's a great rebounding 4-5 combination. He's definitely an upgrade, and uh, he would be a, a fine player. He's still quite young as well. 2017, he was drafted. Trading back to 12 and getting Lou Dort, I know a lot of people look at Lou Dort's height, and they say, oh, another 6-3 player. I know he's only 6-3. Plays 70% of the time at small forward. And you go, well, so oh, so Norman Powell. No, 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 no. Norman Powell was sold as a great defender. He's a good defender. Lou Dort is an exceptional defender. He can legit guard one through four, unless you know you're playing just a, a six foot ten guy at the four. Lou Dort can guard four positions. He averaged 17 points a game as well. That would certainly come down if he was playing with the Blazers. Because again, we're playing on a bad Oklahoma City team. He got to jack up just a million shots. And uh he wouldn't that wouldn't be his role in Portland. But if you want a defender, Lou Dort's your guy. There's also the option, and I know that this is hearsay, or excuse me, uh, this is uh, a terrible thing to say, and I'm not advocating for it, but in theory, you could grab Dort, you could play him at the two, and you could sign and trade Simons. I'm not saying they should do that. I don't want them to do that. You shouldn't move on from a player that this is this young that showed he can break out in this manner, and you're about to lock the guy up for four or five years. But it is on the table. I would imagine that if you trade back with Oklahoma City to 12 and you grab Lou Dort, you could probably still get Jeremy Grant for 12. You might even be able to get John Collins. OG Ananobi, that might be a little tough at 12. Seven is probably much more likely there. What should the Blazers do? What will they do? 503-417-7575. Sean, I want you on record. What should the Blazers do and what do you think they're going to do? You know my stance about what they should do, but that's bigger picture. I, I've always been of the stance that they should look to trade Damian Lillard. Now's the time and, you know, look to be good in three to five years, you know, kind of rebuild it. But considering it's draft week and that doesn't really have anything to do with the draft, or as of right now, Damian Lillard's a trailblazer. Nothing's going to change within the next week. I think they got to go win now mode. I, I'd be disappointed if they draft a guy um, like Jalen Duran. Um, you know, less so Dyson Daniels. I've seen a lot of buzz, but maybe like an A.J. Griffin. Guys that, you know, probably aren't going to bring a lot to the table this next season. I think you got to find, you got to come away on Thursday with guys that are going to bring something to the table this season. The Lou Dort thing really excites me. That's a yeah. guy, out of all the players that are being rumored to maybe be trade targets for the Blazers, you know, we're talking John Collins, we're talking Jeremy Grant, we're talking Lou Dort, we're talking O.G. and Anobi. I think that's the big four right now. Lou Dort and OG Ananobi excite me the most. Those 100%. are guys that can defend at extremely high levels. Those are 3 and D guys. That's what the NBA is all about right now. Those are really versatile wings. If you ask me, I'd be thrilled if they moved back to 12 and got Lou Dort as a result. And then if you can move 12 for another win-now player, you know, even if it's not John Collins or Jeremy Grant, even if it's a little bit lesser of a player, if you could walk away with you know two maybe starting caliber players, even like a seventh man, I, I'd be really excited. Just what I won't, won't what I don't want them to do is a couple of things. I don't want them to draft a guy that's, you know, not gonna be able to contribute this next season. I also don't want them to draft a, a Ben Matherin or, you know, a guard who yeah. is just kind of repetitive. I, I understand best player available, but 
for Portland, I, I I can't say I'd be excited if they get another guard. Dyson Daniels might be a little bit different. He's he's six six, but you know Ben Matherin, Shaden Sharp, those guys, you know, it might be a little bit redundant if they pick up one of them. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm all in on the Lou Dort idea. And Sean, you heard me about two two and a half weeks ago trying to sell that. I did a week of basically just fantasy moves for the Blazers, fantasy trades, and then all of a sudden Jake Fisher has that Lou Dort idea. Uh, the the idea being Lou Dort, he is, he only makes one point nine million, but he's set to. To get paid. Oklahoma City probably doesn't want to pay him. They also don't want to be too good. They want to continue to be bad because they're in the, the win by Amas uh, sweepstakes, who's going to be just the next superstar. They need another year of being trash. This is the best way to do it. I wish Portland would enter the uh, Victor Wembenyama sweepstakes. That's always been my case. I, I think, look, if Victor Wembenyama, for those that don't know about him, you should know about oh, him man. because <laughs> people are saying like it's like it, it looks like a deep fake when you watch his highlights. It looks like you you know they they like photoshopped Giannis onto a different body. Like he's Giannis in the French league right now, basically. But he's Giannis at 18 years old. So, yep. Like imagine what that guy's gonna look like at 26. He's just an all time prospect, and I wish Portland would you know maybe look to to be bad next year and enter those sweepstakes but i understand fans that don't necessarily want that i understand that fans want to be relevant they want to look forward to the blazers season they don't want another season of losing games and i, I get that too but if the the goal's a title I, i'm just not really with the um uh, the plan for right now you know damian lord's awesome but i just i i'm not confident they have the assets I just think that the time's a little bit past. I don't think they're going to be able to be good enough. It would take a miracle by Joe Cronin to make a championship-caliber team, especially in this West Western Conference next year where there's going to be everyone that was good next year, and then you add in the Clippers and Nuggets, who are both going to be title contenders, in my opinion. 503-417-7575. I'm up against a break, but of course I always get this guy in before I go to break. It's my dude, James in Portland. Real quick, Sean, can you punch him up for me? James, what's up, man? I don't have James yet. There he is. What's up, James? Samson and Sean. It's great to hear your voice, Samson. Talk about music. You're not talking about yourself, and you're talking about actual sports. And I hope your girlfriend or wife's not going to join the show. I'm assuming John's not on the air because the Lifetime Network or the Oprah Channel hired him. I mean, I had no idea the ideal target audience was 65 to 85-year-old white men. Sorry, Mike, in Portland. Jokes aside, the John Canzano Radio Network needs to figure out that nobody actually cares about hearing how great John is and wants something new like you dudes. Keep it up, brothers. Come on! James in Portland, if you need him. Appreciate James calling in. If you don't know James... If you uh, if you're a listener of the Jim Rome show here in Portland, you'll hear James on the Smack Off on Friday. That's my dude. He's a big supporter of the Pulse. Appreciate James. We go back a ways. Uh, he used to listen to the old uh, my NBA wrap up show that I used to do. Here's what tripped me out, man. While I was at Worlds of Sport, I was uh, I was talking with someone uh, that used to be in the business, and I ran into him making small talk. This kid, not little kid, probably 16, 17 years old, comes up to me. He's like Peter Sampson. And I did that thing where I kind of look at him and I go, okay, I'm supposed to know you, but I don't know who you are. And so I kind of look at him. I'm just like, what's up, man? He's like, dude, I love your show. I listen to The Pulse every night. I even used to listen to The the Last Quarter, which was what the NBA wrap-up show was called. I'm talking I was doing 10 to midnight, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays here. 
deep, deep <laughs> into the night hours. And what really impressed me, it's always cool, you know, again, to meet listeners, say what's up, talk a little sports, you know, because I appreciate anyone that spends any amount of time interacting with the show or just hanging out and listening, even if it's literally five minutes while you're just running to the grocery store. If that's all you want to do, it's great. I understand. This show, very important to me. I get to you, man. You got choices. You got a lot of demands on your time. It's a commodity. I totally understand that. What shocked me more than anything, I didn't know that 16-year-old dudes knew what a radio was. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was great. I was like, all right. I got to let sales know that the uh, that the uh, the young people are down with me. That's good. It was great. So uh, I think your name was Jackson. Jackson, I appreciate you uh, giving me a fist bump. Appreciate you listening to the show. All right. We'll go away. Come back on the other side. Some interesting... Uh, <laughs> Is poker a sport? I know it's not. There's something interesting in the poker world. Uh, NBA Summer League schedules out. I will hit on that. And, man, I played uh, an old-school video game last night. It was a throwback to 1991. I got to talk about that. This is fantastic. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the bald-faced truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. Appreciate you listening to the program. Whether you're here in Portland, 750 The Game, Roseburg, Klamath Falls, Eugene on Fox Sports Eugene, powerhouse signal there. Hope you're having a great day so far. The NBA released its Summer League schedule today. I know a lot of people don't get down with Summer League. I love Summer League. But look, I love Summer League. I go into watching Summer League with the understanding that it's going to be like watching a YMCA game with a bunch of really talented dudes. And If uh, if you're a big man, you know you're not getting the ball. Everyone's playing with that Kobe mentality. If you want the ball, go get the rebound. Because I'm putting it up. And I get it. Because aside from getting to see all the brand new draft picks that were just drafted two weeks previously, and maybe uh, some of uh, the previous season's top picks that uh, didn't emerge and become immediate stars, you got a lot of dudes that are fighting for an NBA job. These are guys fighting to be the 14th, 15th man. These are guys that are fighting not even to become a 15th man, but they're trying to get something on their reel so they can get a job go, you know, playing in Turkey or Poland or something like that. So it can be ratty at times, but there's a lot of great, great talent, and it's that first look. If the Blazers keep the seventh pick, which, again, I do not expect them to do, but if they do and they draft someone, They're going to be playing in Summer League. It's going to be fans' first look at the young guy or guys because they do have a couple second-rounders as well, at least at this point. So the schedule is out. Portland's 2022 Summer League schedule, July 7th. Man, we're just a couple weeks away. It's amazing. July 7th against the Pistons. I don't know if Cade Cunningham is going to play in Summer League again. I doubt it. The way he played maybe in the first uh, third of the season, you would expect him to come back, but he came on like gangbusters. I'm sure they've seen everything they need from him. But the Pistons also do have uh, another high pick in this year's draft. You'll see that. So that's a that's a uh, 6 o'clock tip. That's ESPN. 
Two days later, on the 9th, against the Pelicans. That's a 4 o'clock tip. That's on ESPN2. July 11th, against the Knicks. That's 5 o'clock ESPN2. July 14th, against the Rockets. That's 3.30. That's NBA TV. So you've got three opponents that were in the that are going to be in the lottery here when they pick on Thursday. And then the Pelicans, who do still have their pick, and the Lakers pick, which is a lottery pick. So it's going to be four opponents that have lottery picks. These are going to be names that you've heard going up against the Blazers, even if we don't know what's actually going to uh, make up the Trail Blazers roster. If they keep that seventh pick, uh, that guy's going to be there. You'll have some of the young dudes. Trendon Watford, I'm sure, will be there, you know, because he signed that, that multi-year extension. He still needs some summer league time. There'll be some of the other young guys. I personally enjoy it. I really enjoy it. One of my bucket list items has always been to go down to summer league, not even to cover it. Like, I could get a credential. I could go down there. But I have a lot of friends that have gone down, and they'll just get an Airbnb. Maybe they'll split one. You'll have, like, five dudes who blog or something. They'll split an Airbnb, and they'll just have a free run of the uh, of both the arenas in Vegas that summer league takes place in. And the reason it's so fun, because not only is it a big party, I mean, you're in Vegas, of course it's a party, even if it is July, so you're not really partying until 10 p.m. when it's actually cool enough to get outside, but everyone who's anyone in the league is there, and you can sort of rub shoulders with them. Coaches are down there, you know, because the Summer League roster, the head coaching job for the Blazers Summer League, it's going to be turned over to an assistant. It's going to be like Ed Naisha Curry or uh, maybe Scotty Brooks or someone like that is going to be coaching the Blazers. But you know Chauncey Billups is going to be there. Every head coach is going to be there. Every GM is going to be there. Scouts are going to be there. And it's really easy just to walk up and talk to these people. And its I've heard some great stories. I've always wanted to do it. I guess it's super affordable to go. And it's just nonstop basketball for a week or however long you're actually going to be there. Now, this is the guarantee, the schedule that's released. It's a week of games, but then there's the uh, the final weekend based on, uh, you know, the record. Then they have the quote unquote playoffs. Never forget the Blazers Summer League Championship from like three years ago. Can we get that banner in the rafters, please? So obviously it's not about that. It's just about being the young guys or seeing the young guys and seeing what they can do. Uh, Sean McPherson, I want to come to you. Man, do you get down with Summer League? Do you enjoy this? I know a lot of people don't enjoy the up and down style of basketball, but I love seeing the fringe guys and what they can do. Yeah, I feel like every summer. I get my hopes up to see Zion or to see Ja or to see whoever the hot, like Cade Cunningham last year. And it feels like every single year they always, the rest culture has hit the summer league. Like they, they played maybe one game or maybe they get a minor injury and then they sit out and then it ends up being the team that wins it all. It's like the, the, the Blazers who maybe don't have the hot shot leading the way. They just have a lot of solid guys who are really working hard to try to make their way into the NBA. So, I mean, the reason I would enjoy Summer League is to be really, really excited about Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro, whoever the Blazers draft on Thursday. But I feel like that never, at least recently, it doesn't seem to happen. They they seem to rest these guys after maybe one showing, two showings. So, hope I'm wrong. Hopefully, we'll be able to see some of the top guys this summer. Yeah, you do see a little bit of that. I remember Zion, the the man, highly anticipated debut. And what do you do? He just like tweaked a hammy or something so minor. And they they rest. I get it though, man. He's a, you know he's a jaguar. You know he's a beautiful sports car that never starts. 
You know, so I understand why why they would do that. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned Holmgren. I'm very, very curious to see how lo- he looks. Not even against, because it's not really NBA competition. About half these guys are going to be in the NBA next year to varying degrees. But I just want to see how he looks, A, in the up and down game where, look, I mean, bigs are at a disadvantage because everyone's playing for a contract somewhere, even if it's in another country. Guards dominate. Because they have the ball. You know what I mean? A lot of up and down. I'm curious to see just how he looks, how he performs offensively, how he impacts the game defensively. But I want to see, again, you know, Jalen Duran. Duran didn't have a great performance in that uh, Memphis-Gonzaga game against, uh, or that was at Moda Center. But that being said, I mean, Holmgren got pushed around by Duran a little bit. I'm curious to see how that goes at the next level. Let me ask you a question, Peter. Are uh, Are you a check guy? Who would you take number one in this draft? Uh, if I'm Orlando, I'm taking Jabari Smith. I think he's just the score. And look, I mean, Paolo, is, he's right there, too. Mm-hmm. You can't really go wrong. I'm not taking Chet Holmgren number one. I think he's going to be a fine NBA player. I think there's even a chance he's going to be a really good NBA player. But if you look up and down, you can't, if you're Orlando, you can't afford to have a bust. It, number two, if you're Oklahoma City, you can't necessarily afford to have mm-hmm. a bust. You're trying to build something in the future. But especially Orlando at number one, you need a guy. You've got a couple nice young pieces. Things are finally, if you play your cards right, you finally might get out of the dumpster fire of your own creation over the last decade. You've got to get it right. So even if Chet, there's that small chance that he could end up being by far the best player in this draft, Jabari is going to give you 20 points a game. He's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer that has value in the league. That's where I'm going. The Magic's last three number one picks, can you name them? Um, They're all pretty recently, yeah. like relatively. Okay, let me think about this. <laughs> I'm going to miss one cuz I remember I mean are we does it go back to 1993? No, Cause, it, cause you know, they, we're talking late 90s early 2000s okay. here. 1993, who are you going to name? It was C-Web and then they traded no, him for no, Anthony not, Simons. Not one of them. Okay, so I know Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. Mm. Got another big guy, very popular big guy. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on this. Who is it? Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, d- okay. And then Tracy McGrady. Well, but but Shaq was 92. And oh. C-Web was after that. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's Shaq, C-Web, who never played because he immediately got traded to uh, on draft day uh, to the Warriors for uh, uh, for Penny Hardaway. And then what was the last one? And then Tracy Howard. McGrady. Oh, Tracy McGrady. T-Mac wasn't number one overall. I thought I saw that. No, T-Mac wasn't number one overall. Okay, maybe it was, a num- num- okay, maybe it was like their, their most recent top yeah. picks. Their yeah. Most recent. The, anyways, the point is the Magic actually have hit pretty well. They on, have. You know, at the, at when they draft one or they draft up there. So we'll see. I'll be curious. You know, I think Chad Holmgren has the highest ceiling, and he's just he is very raw. But I, I do think that Chet has the best chance of being a superstar out of this, this group. I do think there's a ceiling attached with Jabari Smith. And Paolo Bencaro, but those guys are a little bit safer. You know, yeah, low those floor guys can or high found. floor, high, high floor, floor, right? And you know, Chet's rather a low floor. He could he could fluke out. So it uh, it'll be I'll be really interested. I don't think Paolo's going to go number one. I think it's between the two. Uh, yeah, I, and even more than that, I do think Orlando's going to go with Jabari Smith. I mean, you know, Jalen Suggs and some nice other pieces. What you need is you need just a wing or, or a, a big wing. I'm going to call him a wing, but you need a guy. That can uh, stretch the floor, can get his own shot, and I'm look. I'm not going to compare him to Kevin Durant. I'm not because that's obscene. But that being said, it's that guy that like he can get you a bucket. You give him the ball, and he's going to get you a bucket. And to me, that's Jabari Smith. I just he's not going to bust. 
the worst case scenario is what? Oh, he averaged 14 points a game instead of 20. But but I'm absolutely convinced he's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer. I think Paolo Boncaro is going to be nice. Chet's just too big of a risk. But at some certain point, you know, whether it's pick three, four, probably three, the the upside is so great that you're going to say, look, we're going to go for this guy. And I could see even the Thunder, since they're so deep in their rebuild, they have a million picks left, that they could say, look, we can take time for Chet to develop. We'll go ahead and take him at pick number two because we don't even need him to be good for four years. We're still trying to build. So I could see that, but I do think that Jabari's going to go one and Paolo's going to go number two. But we don't know. We'll find out on Thursday. Very exciting stuff. All right, we'll go away, come back, wrap up our number two on the other side. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, it's NBA trade season. That means the fakes are out. <laughs> There's one. It's a nonsense account. Major sports alerts. And everybody does that graphic, you know. That super photoshopped player in the different jersey. This is hilarious. Report. C.J. McCollum is trying to recruit Damian Lillard to join the New Orleans Pelicans this offseason. The Pelicans are willing to trade the eighth pick and more assets in a deal via Mark Stein. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's not via Mark Stein. And that's via some kid just trying to get clicks. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Pelicans have assets, but that's not happening. Wouldn't that be funny, too, if New Orleans just ends up with the Blazers' old undersized backcourt that makes $80 million a year? I mean, good luck, Pelicans fan. You, having one of those guys with the right roster around them is phenomenal. And, like, don't get me wrong. C.J. McCollum, is gonna, he's balling. He, he played so well down the stretch for the Pelicans, of course, until the playoffs, because you know how C.J. does in the playoffs. CJ's going to have a nice year next year. I guarantee it. He's going to look really good. And on its face, a lot of people uh, that don't really pay attention to the circumstances of the Trailblazers that led to trading them are going to be like, man, I can't believe Portland got fleeced. And I guess they sort of did because they ended up not securing that draft pick the way the protections went. Or they didn't say, hey, if you make the playoffs, then we get the Lakers pick that you own. Probably should have done something like that. But moving off CJ McCollum and that contract... And sending him, you know, to a team that he had identified that he wants to. No, it's it's all good. It's all a good decision. Damian Lillard's not going to the Pelicans. So if if some person retweets that and you see that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's not real. There's a reason that doesn't come from a blue check mark. You know what I mean? Which actually, that's one of the see. So I'm not a blue check mark either, and I'm fine with it. Like that is that's not where I'm going with this. But I will say that sometimes that impacts what I put out on Twitter. If I hear a rumor, I don't really repop them because first of all, they usually don't come true. Even if you get it from someone that's fairly reputable, you know the trade that happens is the one that we all never heard about. So even if I get something, I go, man, I could put this out there, but no one's gonna believe it because they'll be like, who the hell's this guy? That's eh, fake. Eh, so what are you gonna do? I just let it be. But if that comes across your timeline, just ignore that. And also, now is the season where I need to tell you, don't get got. Don't fall for fake watch. Don't fall for fake shams. Check for the blue check mark. 
double check the spelling of the account and don't get burned. Don't fall for the fake news that Damian Lillard has been traded for Kevin Durant or for Kyrie Irving in a pick. It didn't happen. I see it every summer. I see it on the draft and I see it come July 1st every single year. Someone gets burned. Even potentially media members will fall for it every once in a while. I've come close. I never have, but I've come close where I've been in the process of retweeting. I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. Let's just double check this. Oh, look at that. It's Woj EPSN. That's the classic move right there. So don't buy it. I'm going to go ahead and say that Mark Stein is not reporting that CJ McCollum is trying to lure Damian Lillard to New Orleans in exchange for the eighth overall pick. Yeah, I mean, that might be one pick that you would get for Damian Lillard, but you're going to get a lot more than that should you decide to move on from Dame. Hour number two in the books. This show is flying by. I've got two more hours to go if you're here in Portland. One more on the bald-faced truth statewide. If you are in Portland, stick around from 6 to 7. I'll do the pulse right here on 750 The Game. We'll be back. Hour number three. Peter Sampson in for Canzano. It's the BFT. BFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights. In for John Canzano, here's Peter Sampson with the bald faced truth. Final hour of the program. I'm Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. He's taking a well deserved day off. Probably a victory lap or two after Worlds of Sport this weekend. Was an amazing event. Had so much fun. I went on Father's Day yesterday. Had a blast. Kim and I took the kiddo. And, uh, you know, he didn't even want to go at the beginning. Uh, I don't know, Dad. When is this big event? And after playing pickleball, ultimate frisbee, disc golf, grabbing the hockey stick, trying to score a goal at the Winterhawks installation, kicking a soccer ball with the Timbers, Parkour with the dude from American Ninja Warrior. The hops had ski ball hitting the radar gun, which was not accurate. It tried to say my eight-year-old's throwing harder than me. Yeah, not quite. He had a blast. You know it's a good day when your kid's beat red, drenched in sweat, and is begging not to leave. So much fun. I could have stayed all day, frankly. Had other stuff to do. But, man, I'm glad I went. I'm glad it happened. If you were there, give me a recap of your experience. It was a good crowd, too. Very steady. Because you know that fear. The first annual anything. What if we throw a party and nobody comes? Well, many, many people came. And it was rad. And uh, congrats to uh, John Canzano and everyone else involved in setting that up. Uh, Thanks to all the vendors that were there. Thanks to all the local teams that showed up. I mean, look, man, the Ducks, the Beavers were there. Uh, You had, uh, I mean, Jaden Grant spoke. Alex Molden, Keenan Lowe. Uh, Brenda Tracy, uh, Brooke Olsendam was there on Saturday. I didn't get to say hello to her. There was a ton of people there uh, in the sports memorabilia section, trading cards, selling memorabilia. It was just anything you can imagine as a sports fan. They had it there, and it was interesting. That's the thing is you go, okay, so is it just going to be whatever sports team, and they're just trying to hawk tickets, right, or trying to get you to sign up? Well, I mean, they they certainly had information, and they let you know what's available. You know, I go to the Winterhawks, my kid shoots a goal, and then they say, hey, 
for opening night. Here's a two-for-one voucher. And that's cool because I was just thinking to myself, man, I haven't been to a Winterhawks game in a couple years, and it's always so much fun, super affordable to get right down close to the ice. You know, and am I going to be able to do this? Is my kid going to be interested? Well, after he uh, he gets up on there and he starts firing a few pucks at the goal, and I go, hey, man, this fall, do you want to go to a real game? Oh, my gosh, Yes. So, you know, mission accomplished for everybody. He's into hockey. He wants to check it out. The Winterhawks probably just made a new young fan. And we all had some fun. It was a great, great event. And uh, congrats to him. I'm sure he's going to have lots of content related to that uh, when he's back tomorrow. I would imagine he's going to have great video and sound from that event. Uh, Some really powerful conversations. It was just really, really fun. Tell me your experience. 503-417-7575 is the number to call. Now, when I left, I went back, and uh, we went back home. We hung out. We had some casual Father's Day plans. I'll be honest. Played video games with the kid. That's what I wanted to do. And uh, if you're like me, look, I like to game. I can't call myself a big gamer because, you know, I have the PS4. I have a million games. I would bet you I play video games for 45 minutes a week. You you know what I mean? Not big time. In my mind, I'm a big gamer, but I'm also an adult. I have real life. Don't get me wrong. If you're able to play for 10, 15 hours a week, props to you. I'm jealous. I wish I could too. That's all I can fit in right now, so that's all that I can do. But a lot of these games, man, they get so technical and complicated, and it's dope. But every once in a while, you just want a good old-fashioned simple, you know, a platformer or something like that. Like when I was a kid, it was Super Mario Brothers. It was Sonic the Hedgehog. It was simple games like that that were not easy. They were incredibly difficult, but you could get the gist of the game in like five minutes. And so for every time, you know, I'm playing NBA 2K and I'm figuring out all the different moves and there are millions of different, you know, move combinations or you're playing something like a Red Dead Redemption 2 and how in-depth and amazing that is. I also just want an old-fashioned beat-em-up. You know what I mean? And uh, this was a throwback to my childhood. And if you're about my age, I'm 43. If you're about my age, you'll remember this. Shredder's Revenge came out last week. And that is a throwback to the old school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles beat-em-up game. And uh, again, if you were playing games in, say, 1989, 1990, 1991... This is exactly like how the old ones are. So we're each able to grab a controller. He's eight, so he can just button mash, and it works. Because, <laughs> again, that's important. It's kind of like being a kid. You go play Street Fighter. You're at the arcade. And this would always tick me off because you're talk- You were spending real money. You're pumping quarters into that thing. Some places it would be 50 cents. I know that arcade games, if you can even find them, are even more expensive than that now. But I would work. I would spend... I bet hundreds of dollars over the months mastering playing Ken in Street Fighter 2. I could do all the moves. I could do all the combos. Then some little kid would come in and button mash, and it would somehow work. And he's just stomping, just just hitting the, the, the controller, and somehow he's kicking my butt. This is a game like that, too. A little bit of a throwback. 
Uh, I got it for the Switch. I, I do have a PS4, but I got it for the Switch. But there's something for the old simple games, man. I know there's so much out there now, you know, Elden Ring and these amazing games like that. But sometimes I just want to pick up and play a game. Now, Sean, you're a little, are you a little bit of a gamer? A little bit? Yeah, you know, I'm into like Madden and 2K yeah. and you know, FIFA, pretty pretty standard sports games. Not much into the... Um, the shooters or any of those. Do you and Sussman get? Do you guys play each other in FIFA? Yeah, you know Adam actually doesn't live with me yet. We're waiting for his lease oh, to okay. end. Okay, but uh, he's my future roommate. But Adam is uh, really, really good at FIFA and uh, most other video. That's games. what I was going to ask. Who's yeah. who's better at FIFA? Oh, you know what Adam is really, really good at is Rocket League. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, the first time Adam was teaching me to play once, and this guy with his pride, he beats me fifteen to zero on like my tutorial game. And I'm like, <laughs> dude. Really? You have to go ego on me? Yeah, that figures, man. Rocket League is a blast. Uh, I had never heard of it. And, like, probably, oh, gosh, five years ago, might even be longer, six years ago, I went out. I had this beach weekend. My family has this uh, beach house out in uh, Beverly Beach, if you know where that's at. It's kind of halfway between Lincoln City and Newport. Maybe it's a little bit closer to Newport. And there's a, there's a, a state park there. And it's just beautiful. But if you don't go to the state park and instead you go up this little road, it's this little community kind of up on the cliff. And it's this fantastic beach house. And, you know, the whole west side, it's glass sliding doors and you're just overlooking the ocean. Just spectacular. And I went out there, took some friends. We took our musical instruments out. And I didn't have a, a console at the time, but one of the guys brought his uh, his PlayStation out, his PS4. And we're going to play FIFA and we're going to play Rocket League. And I'm like, oh, what's Rocket League? I've never heard of that. Is that a shooter? And he's like, it's soccer, but your cars. And I said, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life up to this exact moment. That is so stupid. And then we started playing it. And it's the best game I've ever played in my life. It's so much fun. And those matches... Bro, they got intense because, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not a, I'm not going to rage quit or throw my control. I've never been that way, even as a kid. But you get embarrassed by your buddy a couple times and maybe you're you're a couple beers deep and you've been playing a few hours and you haven't won just one time. The jubilation when you squeak some goal past him that is honestly it's like BS and he got robbed, but you still get it in there. That is the sweetest feeling in the world. Yeah, no, Rocket League, it's, out of all the video games, it is, the hard, like, so much harder than it looks. You know, you look at Rocket League, yeah. and you're like, ah, you know, I can do that. You can drive a car around and kick a soccer ball in. You're flying on walls. You're doing front flips. You're you're jumping and trying to kick the ball with your car into the goal. It is it is a very, very difficult video game. But for anyone out there that hasn't checked it out, if you're a sports fan, it, it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah. Rocket League's perfect because it's a, it's a sport. But it's also like it's not you know it's not Madden it's not FIFA you know you don't it's need pick to know up and the play. players yeah exactly anyone would like Rocket League yeah it's a fun video game. and what's beautiful about it too is is again it's kind of a throwback to uh, again you get into the late eighties early nineties you look at some of these games like the, the, just conceptually they're ridiculous now it's like oh I found a plot hole in this game and that like the expectations are very high and look a lot of these developers are meeting them but back then when we were kids. It was just like, oh, 
Dr. Mario for like, oh, there's an Italian plumber and he hands you pills and you need to stack them. Yes, I accept this as a premise. <laughs> you know what I mean? Rocket League is sort of like that. But as much as I love the advancements in the industry, part of me like just loves some of the old school games. Like I, I you know, I love picking up my Switch and, and doing the original NES emulator or the Super Nintendo emulator and playing some of those. I want to know what's the best old school game? What's the best one? Is it I mean, is it just Super Mario Brothers? Is it Mario 3? Is it something else? Something for the old Sega Genesis, the original Mortal Kombat? Is it something on the Super Nintendo? What's the best old school game? 503-417-7575. You can let me know on Twitter, at Peter Sampson. Real quick, uh, Sam is in Vancouver. I want to go to him. If you can punch him up real quick, Sean. Sam is in Vancouver, and he wants to talk about a game. What's up, Sam? Hey, well, you threw a curve at me by saying what's the what's the best old school <laughs> Super Nintendo or what have you. Uh, for for that answer, I got to go with Super Star Wars on the Super uh, NES. Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of a Star Wars fan. But I also wanted to mention about uh, you and your son of uh, Skywalker Saga. I don't know if you're into those Lego games, but mm, yeah. they almost turned that. They've almost turned that into a, a not anything like Grand Theft Auto, but as far as exploring the world and getting all these hidden things all over the place. And they've just made it su- such an expansive map and everything. You could do split screen with the kiddo, and, and you guys could just go around and throwing force throw stuff at people, and they blow up, and you get coins and stuff. It'd be a real fun game, too. I, I love that idea, man. I'll have to check that out because, you know, you got to simplify it a little bit for the kid. Now, th- now, this is one he wouldn't be able to play, but if you're a big Star Wars video game guy, did you ever play Knights of the Old Republic? I never did, and, but everybody's telling me that that I should have tried that, and I, I just I wasn't I was more into the Madden games at that time. Yeah, yeah. Like we're coming out. Yeah, you can get it. I appreciate the phone call, Sam. You can uh, you can if you have a Switch, uh, you can grab that on the Nintendo Switch. Of course, I mean the graphics are terrible, but that's like the old. If you ever played uh, the uh, like Neverwinter Nights and uh, some of the uh, intense like uh, uh, role playing games, uh, it's basically just a Star Wars uh, wrap on essentially like a like a D&D video game like Baldur's Gate or Neverwinter Nights or Icewind Dale from the uh the late 90s highly recommended I appreciate the recommendation Sam I will check that out looking for old school video games Andrew is in Portland Andrew what's up man Hey man just uh driving around for work Sad to listen to you guys today on my uh on my overtime shift Thank and you. the whole video games thing um there is if you like the old school arcade I got one for Christmas um, there is a company, it's called Arcade One Up, um, and they sell the old school video game cabinets that they'll ship to you, and um, you can put it together, but, you know, I got a tabletop arcade uh, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, Dope. and the original Turtles game all in, you know, this one countertop arcade setup. So um, check out that website. They, I know they sell them at Walmart. But uh, they got a bigger selection. They got like NBA Jam um, in a in a countertop and a full size cabinet uh, for sale. So if you want old school games, check out that website. You will not be disappointed. Awesome. Appreciate the phone call, Andrew. Listening in Portland, man. I appreciate you uh, listening to the show, man. Drive safe today. I'm checking that out right now. I'm online looking at Arcade One Up. This is wild. 
I see uh, I see it, the NBA Jam, and it's even it's the Shack edition. I see Golden Tea. I see Pac Mania. I see Tron. Look, my earliest early. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Centipede. That takes me back. Growing up, man, I'm talking. I was six years old. I'm talking. It's like 1984, 85. And uh, my dad was in this bowling league. My dad wasn't a big bowler. I think it was an excuse just to get out of the house and hang out with other dudes. You know what I mean? But sometimes my mom would just be like, "Tank Peter, you have to tank him." And I know my dad would be like, "God, really? All right, all right." And so he was always cool about it. But he'd be like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna try to have some fun with my friends." If you need me, I understand. But if you don't need me, like let me ha- let me have my fun, okay? And I said, yeah. And don't get me wrong, pops, pops. I had a good dad. Pops was attentive, but also pops needed his social time. You know, split a pitcher of beer with the fellas, bowl a couple frames, have a good time. He didn't ask for much. He wasn't he wasn't out. He was home every night. But this one time, every two weeks or once a month, whatever it was, he would want to go out. And to help facilitate him having a good time, he would have this stash of quarters and he would break it out and be like, here you go. Here's like $4 in quarters, which to me as a kid in the 80s was a fortune. It felt like my pocket weighed like three pounds. It was loaded with all these jangly quarters, you know, felt like a king. And I would always play the centipede game there. They had they had burger time. They had pole position, maybe it was Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer. They had Dig Dug, and they had Centipede. Now, Centipede appealed to me because, man, it wasn't a joystick. It was that, like, trackball, you know what I mean? That giant, it was like a it was like a, a cue ball just embedded in the machine that you rolled over, and that was how you fired your guy around. And uh, inevitably, I'd be like, man, I'm so rich. I have so many quarters. I'm going to be able to play all night. I'm going to still be playing when he's done. They're going to have to drag me out of here. And then inevitably, like 25 minutes later, I'd just be like, Dad, I'm broke. And I'd sit there and be bored for an hour and a half. But, man, I loved, loved some Centipede. And uh, Andrew in Portland recommending this. Arcade one up, man. I got to see about getting one of these for the basement. In stock and shipping now, Kim's not going to be happy when I come home and say that I need a Centipede arcade machine for the basement. I'll put it right next to the wall of guitar amps. How does that sound? <laughs> I love that. So those that those are some good recommendations. I'm looking for the best old school game. Again, and don't get me wrong, I, pl- I play Madden 2. I play 2K. I play FIFA. I play all that stuff. Sometimes I just want to pick something up and just uh, just button mash without thinking. My kid, we'll, we play Minecraft Dungeons. Frankly, we play a lot of Minecraft. And what that means is I log in with him, and then I just set my controller down and watch him do whatever he's doing, which never makes sense. I'm not a big Minecraft guy. I understand the point, and that is that there is no point, and it's just an open sandbox, and that's really cool. It's digital Legos, man. It's not my thing, but we'll play some dungeons. It's like Diablo, but for kids. You just button mash, get through a level, just kill a bunch of things. It's good times. 503-417-7575, the number to call. Go away, come back in just a moment. I do have a little bit of Major League Baseball to talk about. And, of course, I did not get to my uh, World Series of Poker news. You know it's going to be interesting if I'm actually talking about it. I am Peter Sampson here for John Canzano. It's the BFT.
back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Welcome back to the program. I'm Peter Sampson for John Canzano. It's the BFT. A little baseball. Mike Trout went crazy against the Mariners this weekend. Angels were in a bad place, too. They started out so well this season. They start struggling. They lost 14 in a row. Joe Madden got fired. Anthony Rendon's out the rest of the season with wrist surgery. Mike Trout had gone 0 for 26. A career-long slump there. Well, the Angels taking on the Mariners, the rare five-game series included a doubleheader. Mike Trout hit five homers in a five-game series, and the Angels took four of the five. He's the first player in history to hit four game-winning home runs in a single series. Now, no, those weren't all walk-offs, but uh, Angels are now in second place in the American League West. They are nine and a half games behind the Astros. It's incredible to me that after losing 14 in a row, they can still be in second place in the standings. And it just goes to show you that uh, the American League West is not a good division. You have Houston at 41 and 25. The Angels three games under 500 in second place. Rangers, Mariners, and A's all trailing the Mariners. I mean, Seattle, again, this was the year that we thought they were going to actually do something. And just like uh, it seems to be a trend with the Mariners over the last few years, start off pretty well and then just immediately fade. Seattle, 10 games under 500. But I look at the Angels, and every baseball season, it has sort of a narrative, right? You can It's such a long year. It's a marathon, not a sprint. You can sort of tell a story about the season. And, you know, I, with the Atlanta Braves last year, you do that, where they lose their best player, and then you have the crazy GM that decides to really go for it, even though... <laughs> Their superstar is out for the year, and uh, they're you know five games under 500 in July, and they make a bunch of moves. They bring in a bunch of talent. They catch fire. The pitching shows up when they need it to, timely hitting, and they end up winning the World Series, and you can turn that into a story. I wonder if this performance by Mike Trout here, if this is going to be the turning point in the season for the Angels. I mean, it's very, very possible. I'm not going to say they're out of it. They they could still reach the playoffs. I mean, look, we still have a, uh, just under 100 games to go in case you're counting. We have about 90 games left in the MLB season. I'm not going to say they're going to catch the Astros unless disaster strikes. But, I mean, you, you look at some of the wild card positions. I mean, the Blue Jays and, and Tampa Bay and even Boston are doing well in the American League East. But then in the Central, you've got, what, the, uh, the Cleveland uh, trails the Twins. They're above 500. That's about it. So it's totally reasonable to expect that they could snag one of the those available spots. Uh, I think nine and a half is is too much to make up for. But if Trout's going to hit like this, or even he's not going to average a home run a game, we know that he's not going to average a home run every four and a half at bats. But it, here we are now; he's only a couple behind Aaron Judge for the uh, the American League lead. And again, it's a long season. Maybe they got that poor play out of the way. 
maybe Phil Nevin. I didn't, you know, I don't think Joe Madden was the problem necessarily, but I mean, maybe they are starting to awaken. They've won three in a row. They're playing 500 baseball over their last 10. Maybe it is reasonable that Nevin's getting a little bit of uh, better of a result out of them. But of course, with Los Angeles, it all comes down to Trout and it all comes down to Shohei Otani. And Otani had a slow, slow start this year. He's starting to pick it up. He, you know, the other day, seven uh, scoreless innings, you know, eight or nine strikeouts, and he had a, a home run in the game. So he's starting to pick it up. But Trout is really the guy. I feel like we sort of almost take him for granted as the best player in baseball. I think he still holds that crown. I do. I know there's a lot of players younger that are sort of, you know, even Ronald Acuna Jr., um, of course, Tatis, he's injured, but he could say he could be that guy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I, until shown otherwise, it's Mike Trout. Now, of course, Trout with the, the hamstring injury that cut his season short last year, and then, of course, slumping terribly earlier in the month. Again, 0 for 26. That's not something you see out of a guy like Trout. Um, you could question whether or not he was going to hold on to the title as the best player in baseball. But to me, that was too small of a sample size. Maybe he's showing that he's on his way to becoming human, but he's he's still just so unbelievable and unheralded. Look, the Angels have to reach the postseason. The pressure is on them. You can't have the best player in baseball and the most exciting player in baseball who was the MVP last year and not reach the playoffs. You can't do it, especially playing in a city like L.A. And I, I know I know, L.A. is a Dodger town. I know it's not Angels town. It's Dodgers town. And that's okay. That's understandable. It makes sense. But look, you, not only do you have Otani at the bat, you have him on the mound. You added Noah Syndergaard. You have some of these guys. You have to take advantage. Because even though I say Mike Trout is still the best player in baseball, He's certainly not over the hill by any means. Not not even close. But he is 30. He turns 31 in August. Now, it's baseball. It's not the NFL. But at a certain point, that bat does slow down. You assume it's not coming for five or six years. But it is coming. Father time gets us all. I mean, even Willie Mays. Possibly the greatest player of all time. We've all seen the footage, or maybe you're old enough you remember it, him stumbling around the outfield for the Mets at the very end of his career after he was done with the Giants. It's going to happen. They have got to get to the postseason. I'm not saying that they got to get Mike Trout a, a World Series appearance or a championship. They at least need to be playing in October. You can't waste it. You can't waste it. And if you're Major League Baseball, <laughs> you need your best players playing in October. The Angels have really done baseball and frankly themselves a disservice with the rosters that they've built around this guy it's not too late this year this might be the turning point for this season we might be mid-october going man remember when they lost 14 in a row after starting so well we thought their series or their season was done and you remember that series where trout hit five bombs in one series four of them were go-ahead home runs and then they rattled off a bunch of wins and here we are but if it's going to happen, it's got to happen now. We're most of the way through June. There's plenty of time, but time is ticking. We'll be back. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. 
Welcome back to the program. I am Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. This is the Bald Face Truth. JC will be back in the big chair tomorrow. Well-deserved day off. Congrats to him. Worlds of Sport was incredible. Can't wait to hear all about it from his perspective. I already shared my perspective. If you were there, let me know. 503-417-7575. It's officially summer What tomorrow, I believe, is the first day of summer. I was just telling Sean, I look outside, and it's like, oh, cool. We got a day of spring now that spring's over. Beautiful outside. It looks like uh, we are done with the uh, the rotten weather. It looks like we finally have summer coming up. I even see 80s next week for my birthday, which is beautiful. I'm so excited about that. And look, I'm a native Oregonian, man. The rain, does it, it, it's nothing to me. I don't own an umbrella. I don't own a rain jacket, frankly. I, I own a couple jackets, but I don't own some a raincoat. I don't own a slick, you know, Columbia jacket or something like that. That being said, I am over <laughs> the rainy weather. And is it just me or has it been choosing the weekends? It's been like four or five of the last six or seven weeks where you get a little bit of a break during the week. And it's like, ah, there we go, finally. And then you look at the forecast and come Friday afternoon, here comes two and a half days of rain. It almost feels intentional. I don't know what we did to deserve that, but here we are. And since it is officially summer this week, school is out. It's graduation season. I do see a lot of people are posting about their class reunions, too. Do we still need class reunions with social media? Is this as much a, a, like as big a thing as it used to be? I guess it is because I'm seeing it. I don't know. Does your class get together if you graduate you know, high school, college, whatever? How often do you get together? Five years, ten years, every year. If you do, you look forward to these, or do you like Sean? How long ago did you graduate high school? I graduated high school in 2017. So, so five years. You have yeah, a five, five year years. right now. Yeah. Are you guys having a five year reunion? Nope. Nope. Okay. Like, let's so at a ten year, like, which is a more conventional number, a ten, a twenty five, something like that. Would you? Are you interested in going in doing this, or do you not care if you ever see these people again? Man, I feel like I feel like it'd be cool, but at the same time, I I keep in contact with the people that I truly care care about. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like a high school reunion for that reason. Like if you truly care about someone from your high school, you keep right. in touch with them, right? It's so easy these days with social media and with the phones and the text messaging and the phone call. Like, I just feel like it's super easy to keep in touch with someone that you truly care about. And for me, that's a handful of people from my high school. And I, I, I don't think it'd be the end of the world if I don't have a big high school reunion. Yeah. See, and that's how I felt. So my high school, we had a 10 year and I skipped it. And I had no regrets. But by the time the 20 year came along, I mean, it was like a couple a couple of us had died, you know, and it was a small school, too. And you, you kind of go like, yeah, I mean, that's and, and the thing is, is like, look, I, I, I grew up rural, you know, about 45 minutes south of Portland. You know how it is. You get a couple miles out of Portland and it's uh, quite rural. And, uh, you know, then here I am. You know, I'm one of like two punk rock kids in the entire school. And and this is back in the day where I, I, you know, I've been beaten up for having strangely colored hair, for having dyed hair. That's not a thing in the world anymore. Maybe it's not a thing in Oregon anymore. Uh, It was that case back then. I I did not have, in some instances, a super enjoyable, uh, you know, childhood or teenage years anyway. Parts of it were incredible. You know, you find your people. But... It's interesting how over time, 
all that sort of fades away. Because when I got out of high school, I was just like, man, I don't want to talk to these people again. And like at the 10 year, it was like, I'm pretty indifferent to most of these people, but I'm not going to go because I'm indifferent. But there's still a couple people that I, oh, I just hate. One person in particular, I'm thinking, I'm not going to name him because he listens to me. Hi, I'm famous. You're not. (laughs) But that being said, it came from, man, if I ever see that guy again, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to punch him in the face. And then a couple years go by and you go, well, I mean, I'm not going to punch him in the face, but I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And then it's like, well, if I, if I come across him, I'm just going to ignore him. And by the time my 20th came around, I was like, man, I hope so-and-so's there. I want to buy him a beer. See how he's been. I haven't talked to the guy in 20 years. It's interesting how it transitions over time and you sort of, you know, bygones are bygones. You just let it go. It's good to catch people up. But again, I wonder, as we were planning this 20 year, we all coordinated on social media. And by we all, I mean, it was like four people that I went to high school with that handled all of it. It was all done on Facebook. I don't have a Facebook anymore. So for all I know, they're doing it still. But it was interesting because the sheer amount of messaging And, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you reached out. It's been so long. That was all the catching up right there. We did it. I didn't need to drive back an hour south of here so I could link up and see these people. But it was good. I just wonder if they're going to get minimized uh, in the near future because just as you mentioned, Sean, and I mentioned, I mean, you can just you can video chat. You can. It's so easy to send a Facebook message. You don't even have to actually be in touch with people or be real friends. You know, oh, it's your birthday. I got a reminder for it. I'll tell you happy birthday. Oh, I see your photo. You got married or you had a, a second kid or you got a new cute dog. All that stuff, it's super easy to just stay in touch. So it's not as critical to make that drive, make that trip, throw the suit on, put on your best face and go out there and go, well, what have you been up to? Because I know what you've been up to and you know what I've been up to. Just really curious. But I will say, man, my approach to the uh, the high school reunion, it really did change over the years. I'll tell you, right out of high school, I was like, I, I don't ever want to see these people again. Screw them all. And by the end, I had my arm around the guy. How are you doing, man? It's so good to see you. Hey, you remember when you blah, blah, blah? Yeah, sorry about that, man. It's all good. It's all good. But I wonder if these are going to be uh, sort of shrinking down or not. I think it's all virtual. Can we just do it over Zoom now? That's the real question. Or do we all spend way too much time on Zoom as it is, and we don't want to do that anymore? Maybe it's that face-to-face contact. Maybe that's what we need. I don't know. It's really interesting, though. The most interesting thing about the high school reunion, I haven't had a college reunion. I guess I guess I would, in theory, be having one this year, but I don't know if we even do it at Portland State. But the interesting thing is to watch the old dynamics come back into play. You know what I mean? Like someone who left school and was really successful. And then they come back, and then all of a sudden they're still, you know, the kid that gets picked on for this, and you hang out with this group, and then that group of girls over there will talk to these people but not these people. It didn't come back full force because we're all grown up. We're all mature. We were all, you know, we're just kids back then. It's how kids are. But to a degree, it does slip back a little bit. It's really interesting. So I'll tell you, if, if you have a reunion coming up and you're wavering on going, I would recommend wherever you are, as long as it's not a major trip, I would recommend you go, but just approach it like a sociologist would. Just sit there, smile and nod. Yes, hello. It's good to see you. This is great. Have your drink. But just watch how everyone interacts. It's really fascinating. Highly, highly recommended. 
All right, one more segment coming up on the other side. I am Peter Sampson wrapping things up on the BFT. John will be back tomorrow. And, of course, if you're in Portland, I have a whole nother hour after that. I'm doing a marathon today, four hours on the air. It's funny, I was telling Sean beforehand that, uh, I mean, look, I've had days back in college radio. I've done like 20 hours on the air before. You know, you do it for the pledge drive and you have fun and it's not hard. And doing four hours is not hard. It's a privilege and it's awesome. That being said, it's sort of like if you exercise every day, it's not a big deal on Sunday morning. You go out and do a leisurely six, seven, eight mile jog. It's no big deal. But let's say you haven't worked out for four or five months and you go to try to do that eight mile jog. It's a little bit different, isn't it? Well, I'm hanging in there. I hope you are as well. Peter Sampson in for John Canzano. It's the BFT. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I am not John Canzano. I am Peter Sampson filling in for John Canzano. He'll be back tomorrow. He's off today. Even though he was off, he was working. JohnCanzano.com. He had a column out today. I subscribe. Recommend you do as well. It's great. Before I get to what he wrote, by the way, one thing that I've noticed, JohnCanzano.com, the comment section is actually good. Very different than the Oregon Live days, I will tell you that. You can actually get some good discussion in there. I enjoy it. JohnCanzano.com. I subscribe. And what I found in my inbox today was he touched on a topic very briefly. It was sort of a quick grab bag. I think is uh, he's setting things up for his columns the rest of the week. One thing he hit on was uh, something that I touched on on my show, The Pulse, last week. And uh, this was something that I thought was just a terrible deal. This sounds good on its face, but he had a little bit more news that made this a lot more palatable and even actually awesome for a certain subset of sports fans. So what I talked about last week was the news. Major League Soccer struck a deal with Apple. And... On its face, this is fantastic because it's basically we will have every single MLS game. There will be no blackouts. And that's great, right? Because, look, if you're a Timbers fan and maybe you don't have the antenna or you can't find it or whatever, well, I mean, MLS is on ESPN+. Plus. It says this is on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, but I'm blacked out. I don't know where to find the match. Can't I just do this? I used to have what was called MLS Live. It was like League Pass for for Major League Soccer. That worked. That was fine. There were still blackout rules applying. So you say, well, this is fantastic. And it's just part of Apple TV. Apple TV is like, correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, it's like $4.99 a month. Yeah, super cheap. Yeah, it's a great, great value. Maybe they don't have the quantity of something like, you know, like a Hulu or Amazon Prime, but it's got good stuff on it. Really good stuff. Shout out HeroQuest. But the downside is local TV is not included in the broadcast. It's just going to be a national broadcast for every single game. So if you're a Timbers fan, you love the Timbers TV broadcast, you're losing that local flavor. It's gone. And we connect through our team or to our teams through these local broadcasters. You know what I mean? They understand the teams, the ins and the outs. You can get some great analysis, great analysis, but it's that national level. Like, you ever watch the Trailblazers when they're on national TV? And you go like, oh, it's a TNT game or ESPN. I think it's ESPN where you you get both the local and ESPN. TNT, I think it's blacked out locally. But uh, 
when you bounce back and forth between them, the local broadcast, like, yeah, they're kind of homers, and maybe the production value isn't as nice, but they know the team. And then you flip to ESPN, you have, like, Mark Jackson and whoever, you know, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, and it's clear that, like, you were handed a one-sheet with talking points about this team, and I get it. Like, they're not going to sit and watch 82 Trailblazers games. They can't do it for every team, but you lose a certain level of analysis and information and connection. And so that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, I'm, I'm really happy for, you know, soccer fans that can now find their team wherever they live. It, it's incredibly affordable. Well, it turns out there's a little bit of news here that Canzano had that makes this, uh, it feels a lot better to me now. So he goes on to say, you know, the MLS deal with Apple was met with mixed reviews in some circles. There will be no blackouts, and the new revenue generated is a big shot in the arm for the league, which is true. But some local fans are miffed that the regional flavor of the games, called by the team-centric broadcast crews, is being sacrificed. So yesterday, Canzano spoke with uh, what we'll call a high-ranking MLS source, and this source told J.C., that fans in each market will have the ability to choose to watch the video of the games on Apple TV and select a synced simulcast of the local radio broadcast. So if you're like many Timbers fans, just speaking on the flagship station here in Portland, you listen because we're the home of the Timbers here in Portland. You listen to that match on the way home. Once you get in, get in your living room, you throw it on the TV and you catch the rest of it. So you're familiar with that broadcast crew, so you can still get the home flavor. It sounds like what they're doing is they're going to actually sync up the radio broadcast to the national broadcast. You can still listen to the national guys if you want. This makes this, Sean, you heard me rant and rave about this for almost 20 minutes last week. This makes this way more palatable to me because now, even if it's maybe different broadcasters, it's still part of the overarching home broadcasting team. Absolutely. It's super important that you have those local guys. You know, you have you have, you know, in this case your Jake Zivins and your Keith Blyers that really know yeah. the team. They love the Timbers. And you know, I'm I'm with you. Like I think there's a give and take when it comes to local broadcast versus national broadcast. Whenever the Blazers used to have big games, big playoff games, I was always a little bit conflicted because you're right, the the production value was it was uh, you know, a higher budget broadcast on like a TNT. But yeah. then you have, you know, in this case, um, you know, uh, forgive me, Kevin Kevin Calabro and yes. Lamar Hurd. Yes. Those guys know the Blazers very well. And sure, they're not really supposed to say anything bad about the Blazers, but they know the guys really well. They have personal mm-hmm. anecdotes with all the players. They have personal relationships. They have stories to tell with all the players. And they, they just know the game super well when it comes to the Blazers, in this case, the Timbers. So it, it is really good that these local guys are getting to stay on. And, you know, I think that was definitely a really good piece of news that Gonzano released today. Yeah, and it, it, we, we connect. Look, the reason we love sports, I mean, aside from the fact that sports is a metaphor for life, but it, it stimulates us emotionally. It does. It's entertainment. We feel the emotions, you know, the agony of defeat, the thrill of victory, all that stuff. Part of that is there's a comfort level of familiarity with the broadcaster, especially like when they're there a long time. I mean, like Bill Shonley. I've met Sean dozens of times. But initially, Bill Shonley was my friend that I'd never met because I grew up listening to him for years and years and years. Uh, Brian Wheeler, who followed him, he was there long enough. It was the same way. And, uh, you know, the, the current radio guy, Travis, is great, too. 
I haven't had a, that long enough time to really bond with him yet. And that's why so many people, when Calabro and Heard came on, a lot of people were were disappointed with uh, Mike Barrett and Mike Rice uh, being shown the door. And look, I get it because they're great guys, great broadcasters. And obviously I wasn't there, but it sounds like the nature of their exit was fairly sudden, unexpected, and frankly cold. I get that. But the reason that people are upset is those are my guys. I sit at home. I watch the Blazers. I cheer for them. Those are, that's my team. Those are my players. Those are my broadcasters. And you're taking them away from me. It was a very, very big outcry, even though if I'm just being honest and objective, Kevin Calabro is a Hall of Fame broadcasting talent. There's a reason that they still have that guy do ESPN radio playoff basketball broadcasts. He's a pro. He's great. And I was thrilled when they announced we had him. But again, you, so many uh, you know, of the fans, they haven't had that chance, or maybe at the time hadn't had that chance to build that connection. And, uh, of course, with Calabro, he's been doing it a long time. You wonder if he'll be around long enough uh, actively before he retires for some fans to build that connection. I'm sure he will. But that's the issue. And so I'm really glad that Timbers fans, fans of every every team, they'll still be able to have that broadcast, and it's going to be synced up. We've all played that game where we try to simulcast like that, and the audio slightly off. I remember back in the day, you used to be able to turn down KGW and pull up the Shawns, and they had it working. You could pull up Bill Shawnley on the radio, and you could have Shawnley call the game. You used to be able to even go in the arena, and if you had your low-powered radio you could with your earbuds, you could listen to Shawns broadcast the game while you were watching it. It was incredible. That being said, having the tech to make sure it's synced, you get Keith Blyers, you get Jake Zibben, you get all these guys, you get the pregame stuff as well. This makes this infinitely better to me it's much less corporate and sterile and uh you know well i know that some fans were going to lose that connection but you know what big cash grab okay well i mean that's great and no matter what it's great if you're a timbers fan and you live in des moines or something like that well now you get him and you would settle for a sterile national broadcast but now that you have the option for both without blackout Anywhere in the country, I was going to say anywhere in the world, but I don't know if that's the case, at least anywhere in the United States, not to mention that Apple TV is really cheap. This isn't like you pay the five bucks for Apple TV and then you pay another five for the MLS add-on. It's just part of it. And it goes back to my, uh, when I was earlier in the show, when I was talking about Bonnaroo streaming on Hulu, I think we as viewers and consumers of entertainment, it's a little tough right now, but I, th- I have a feeling we might be entering another golden age here because all these companies are trying to differentiate themselves. And you, you see it, Netflix, their stock is just hemorrhaging. It's because they make bad decisions, and frankly, they put out not that great of programming. They sink a bunch of money into it, and they'll just decide to cancel it. You don't get an answer to your season-ending cliffhanger. But I think a lot of these companies are really competing right now, and it's going to lead to good things like music festivals, streaming live in 4K, and you get MLS soccer for no extra cost and going that extra effort to keep that local broadcast. Good for MLS, good for Apple TV, most importantly, good for you as a fan. And we need more of that in sports. With that, I am out of time. I appreciate you rolling with me today on the BFT. Whether you're listening in Portland, 750 The Game, Fox Sports, Eugene, the Roseburg affiliate, Klamath Falls. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I'm going to go away. John Canzano will be back tomorrow. If you're in Portland, keep it right here. I'm giving you another hour with the pulse. See ya.